Welcome, everybody, to the Cult of Dave Podcast Network. A new chapter this morning in the battle against Ebola. Nickelback are back. The multi-platinum band has just announced a new album and a North American summer. Until you see the flaming butthole, you ain't seen nothing yet! Alright everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Something Good For You podcast where the two of us sift through the bullshit to try to find a little something good to give you each and every single week. And I am one of your two co-hosts, Alex Stiff, and if you notice the different intro music and the fact that Cap hadn't been chuckling like fucking butthead this entire time, Cap is not with me today. Uh, I'm not flying solo, but... Long time coming. I really wanted to have this happen for a while. I've talked about him on the show numerous times. We've already had Jeff Clayton on once. Welcome back, Jeff. Hey, good to be back. But for the very first time, my loving and amazing mother, Rebecca, is here. Hey, guys. (laughs) (laughs) And we are going to have a really fun, just kind of off-the-cuff episode of just a family story time. And I think that's going to be really fun. And as always, the show is brought to us by Repo Record down on Commonwealth Avenue. Check them out at reporecord.com or at Repo Record on Instagram. Uh, By the way, I've been thoroughly enjoying all the ads you've been doing for them recently. Do you have any new ones coming up, Jeff? The ads for? Repo. The visual ads. Which you draw, ones? You draw those up for him. Like anytime there's like a special little sale oh, coming up. Oh, apparently he's been using old ones. Old ones? Yeah. <laughs> well, you've done big back I, I've done, man, uh, there's probably hundreds. Literally. <clears throat> there were there was one time uh, back when he was advertising in... Uh, in uh, Creative loafing. Loafing. Yeah, that we did a, uh, like, it was like a cereal. Okay. Like a continuing story. Oh, okay. <laughs> there must have been four or five. It all ended up with with Jimmy being burned at the stake or something. <laughs> you know what? I, I really enjoyed as far as old Rupo advertising was when there were the ads for TV. Oh, yeah. When he Those had, were when he had Rayford and, and uh, Mojo Nixon. Yes. And <laughs> Reverend Billy C. Words. Those were classic. Yeah, those were great. Occasionally, they'll pop up on uh, Facebook. Somebody will yeah. post those, and they're <laughs> yeah. always a treat to yep. see. They were great. Weren't those from the early 90s? Or uh, Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they were from anywhere between 89 and 92. Yeah, that was that was back when the repo was hopping, and there was also Cheapo that eventually ended up kind of directly across the street from mm-hmm. the the second to the last i guess location for repo in uh, 93 we we played there when they opened didn't you bring alex to that i did that was that was your actual <laughs> first that was your show. actual first time ever seeing us perform but then there was I the one remember later the exact date but yeah. yeah yeah i don't i'm not real clear on the year i'm you're gonna find here. in 93 alex was what three and two no he was Barely he one. was like one he was actually sipping from a straw because i remember one of my friends was standing there in line we were waiting to go in and they had a a, a mcdonald's cup with a straw right and you were leaning for it and reaching for it and i was thinking oh god please don't don't let that person for him to drink i don't want him drinking after you know somebody else but but they did and i was like okay well this building has a system but i remember we came in 
And I didn't want to be too incredibly close in the beginning because I didn't want it to freak him out because right. it was so loud. But he was just glowing. He was so excited. And he was just staring. And I remember he was staring at Greg because Greg, you know, was so animated and doing stuff. So I kind of walked him over closer to it. And Greg started making funny faces at him and everything. And he enjoyed it. <laughs> but unlike you, because you'd make scary faces at him and try to scare him. I but, don't make scary faces. This is how I look. <laughs> No, I'll, I'll never forget because I always had to ask mom who it was and she confirmed later on it was you and we've talked about it at the house but the time that you took me to one of the uh, repo cheapos something and there was the big cutout of that the was Tim Burton Batman mm-hmm. yep. and I was freaked out by that and then Jeff wouldn't leave me alone he kept getting right up in my face making noises so it's like I'm staring at the Batman look over at Jeff back at Batman and back at Jeff hide in my neck <laughs> but you know what and you wonder what's wrong with me today but you know that that thing that you mentioned about the the fear of the big Batman cutout and you know soon after that as soon as you were able to really talk and communicate you would ask for Batman figures in stores and want to watch movies and I think that those early fears became later obsessions um and that happened with me with frankenstein and that, that same here exactly <laughs> when um i was five six and seven we lived in myrtle beach and i would beg 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 my parents please drive down the strip because i wanted to see all the lights and see all the cool looking tourists because this mm-hmm. was you know in the early 70s and there were hippies and stuff and it was just really cool to look at and we'd go past that wax museum and there was the big frankenstein that would stand outside right and i'd be in the back seat hunkered down and i'd be looking for him and i'd see him and i'd swear he was looking at me and i'd look <laughs> down and oh it scared me but i couldn't i couldn't not do it you know and so i think later in life that that's what caused me to I was just like really be fascinated was that early fear or something. No, and I can absolutely relate to that because even um, same scenario with the beach uh, on the main strip, uh, there was that 4D movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to go ahead? Because you're already cackling. <laughs> so maybe cackling too hard to tell. <laughs> Basically, bad bad scenario for me. Uh, I was an extremely jumpy kid. It was bike week, so there were... It was a phase you were going through, I think. Because you where would you scare were... the shit out of me, regardless of the scenario. <laughs> well, we would be in Walmart. If you a would parent go down can't the fuck with a kid, aisle. what's the point in having them? <laughs> you go down the Halloween aisle, throw a fucking mask on when I'm turning around. Like, <laughs> I know another parents would look at me like, you're the most evil parent ever. Because I'm laughing one... my ass off over your fear. <laughs> I remember one time this one chick was actually looking at me like poor kid and I'm like trying to gain sympathy from her to like shame you and it's yeah, not working. Yeah, I'm, I'm like looking at her going just ignore it, he's fine. <laughs> Topping the boy up a little bit. So it was that jumpy phase of you scaring the shit out of me all the damn time. And it was bike week at Myrtle Beach. Hey, as I was a stay-at-home mom, what else did I have to do? <laughs> and it was that, it was the ice cream shop, not Peaches, but the one on the opposite end, right across from yeah, that Yeah, little 40. dinky one. Yeah. yeah. And where you could get all the dipped cones. So all the fucking motorcycles are going by the entire time. And on this 4D movie theater is this <clears> dinosaur <throat> head that's poking out through the theater. And on a timer, it would make noise, move its head around, open its mouth, and fucking fog would come out. And that would scare the shit out of me. And it didn't help the fact that we had just gotten out of Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum, where there was a ton of jump scares and that. So I'm just like a fucking cat in a room full of rocking chairs. 
Fast forward all these years later, I go back to the beach and they changed the dinosaur head and it fucked with me. I didn't like that anymore. It's like it scared me so much as a kid. It became an attachment. It became an attachment. And I went back and they changed it. It wasn't the same one. And now the theater isn't there anymore. Oh, that's really sad. The last time I went there, they finally shut it down. Like there wasn't anything there. So it was, it, they're changing it into something else. So it's like there was that weird transition phase yeah. of them rebranding it. And now they just kind of moved it out. So it's like that's one of the first ones because you were talking about Boardwalk. Was that the what? What was the name of the um, basically the little amusement park that you're asking me about? That was Pavilion. at the beach. Yeah, Pavilion. That, yeah, it was. Um, it it wasn't the oldest one there. The oldest one was a little further down from that main action spot, like across from Peaches. That um that pavilion was that a secondary one. That one is still there. That's still there. That's near the, the that's near a friendlies. One. That's the one that has the mouse trap, um, windy roller coaster. It still has the wooden roller coaster there too. Because originally, and I think you'll remember this, there was a pavilion that was further down. Mm-hmm. It was um between Surfside and Myrtle, and they had an old wooden coaster there called the Swamp Fox. Yeah, I remember and that. that was that one was there before the other one. The other one, and I was born in '68. The other one was built by the time I was six. So that one came about early to mid '70s, and then that that was the main ones that, that our parents the would most take us to. One, though, right, right, because it was right there at the main drag on Ocean Boulevard, mm-hmm. and it was sandwiched between it and what Kings Highway is. That yes, what it is? yes. Yeah. And, uh, and see, when we were kids, when we go to the beach. All of the beach stores were rock and roll stores. Right. They were like what Cam and Can Am and Rock and Roll Emporium later, you know, came about. But when we were kids, all those beach stores were rock and roll stores. I mean, there was beach memorabilia there, but all of them had like the big press iron on, you know, rock and roll shirts. Mm-hmm. So we were just like, Oh my God, this is great. Now, you know that store, the gate often. Yeah. Well, you know, they have like there's the the gate dolphin with the uh, blue glass that actually has the dolphins yeah on it that's the one that's on on the ocean side mm-hmm. but uh, directly across Ocean Boulevard away from the ocean they have like a little annex there okay and there's a basement right right and when I was a kid and we would do do family vacations there, and this was mid seventies, mid seventies, you know, seventy six, seventy seven. Uh, the basement of that place was a poster shop. Okay. Was it and their clearance items? No, no. no it, okay. it was just like there were hundreds and hundreds of those poster racks. You remember the big black ones, like when you flip a whap. <laughs> yeah. and then, that was very satisfying, too. And, and there was too. tons of books of 8 by 10s and stuff. And see, I never have been an outside person. Right. When when they said go to the beach, that meant, oh, I get to walk around downtown all day. Long, right? <laughs> <laughs> Going down there and get sand at my ass crack. And get sunburned. So, and this is a time, too, where, you know, a kid of my age at that time they would let me just go by yeah. myself and i was perfectly safe but i would spend hours in that bottom thing because man i saw that that's where i probably learned about uh a, a big majority of the stuff i like today really like i discovered bands through that like i would see this poster of band thought they looked cool look at the name 
sideways on the <laughs> oh okay that's who that is you know and uh, that's how i discovered kiss and yeah and and you know like uh you'd see a freaky picture of todd runger damn that dude looks crazy <laughs> who was that todd runger okay and you and I you got could, some education and now. you couldn't google shit back then no, of yeah. like you had to like ask your friends you know and your friends had now oh make me a cassette of it mm-hmm. you know and you'd be like at the store with your mom and you know back then like kmart had huge magazine racks you know and they had lots of rock and roll magazines and you're like looking through seeing if you could find you know whoever it was you were curious about yeah you know? i mean that element of the beach really has been kind of strip because even at the um kind of that big looping shopping center where the kiss cafe used to be uh there's a shop there called rock and roll but you walk in and there's like no music memorabilia it's by name only like they have an elvis like a big stand-up elvis in the window doing the typical you know pose but outside of that, I mean, they may have a couple like typical band shirts, like the band shirts you see everywhere: the ACDC shirt, the Kiss shirt, yeah, nothing the, special, the Led Zeppelin shirt, the um, Leonard Skinner one. But it's like nothing. Geez, you can find the, those at Walmart. The wa- thank you, yeah, the Walmart band shirts. That's yeah. what you find there. But they're twenty five and thirty dollars. But you know, I think the philosophy behind that at the beach, I think they've discovered, is that people bring X amount of money to the beach, mm-hmm. and they want to spend that money, and they'll buy things at the beach that they would not buy at home simply because it's the money they've allotted for their trip and they want to bring shit home they don't want to bring money home and so they'll buy stuff they know that they can get at walmart and target but it's like oh we're going to the beach there is one store left and it's called retroactive and it's kind of on the back side of that big shopping center loop thing and you walk in there and they genuinely have a wall of band shirts everything in there is either 70s 80s or music related i mean it's still a cool shop but it's like that's the only one left is it overpriced uh, some items are, um, but it's also some things that you went, oh my God, I hadn't seen that in a minute. Oh, nice. Like, like, nice. like you know, those, the, what people refer to as the Spencer's crap kiss gifts. <laughs> yes. It's like the stuff that was actually kind of cool. That was good stuff. It was cool, but it's like <laughs> you don't see it anymore because, you know, yeah. they, it was still with the Ace and Peter images on it, not with the new Tommy and Eric images on it now. Right. So. You can go in there and still see some of that stuff, and it's like, oh, but it's like maybe five or six dollars more than it originally was, and you're like, mm, never mind. Right. <laughs> well, man, this this place I was telling you about, oh, yeah. they they had these notebooks, like uh, it went all the way around the counter. You know, there must have been like thirty of them. Yeah. And they were thick, and it was nothing but eight by ten, uh, you know, promo photos. Right. And they like if they had ten of them. There was 10 of them in that slot. So you just reached in behind mm. and pulled out. And uh, I don't know what I was thinking at the time. Um, but I was getting these 8 by 10s of like Raquel Welch wet. And, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, people like that. And uh, like, you know, Marilyn Monroe, Jay Mansfield. Mm-hmm. And I took them. And I was just like, oh, I probably got a high D. I don't know what mom's going to think of this. <laughs> But Dad ended up finding them first, and yeah. he looks at them and he goes, hmm, yeah, hmm. I wasn't in trouble. <laughs> it's amazing how that works. <laughs> no, it is really He's probably odd. like, wham, he, he, he might be normal. <laughs> it is weird because I did note, um, I went to the beach a couple years ago, and it felt like everything was under construction, which that happens. But this past time, everything felt like it had a new coat of paint, which for a vacation was nice, but 
it almost feels like they're actively trying to take away some of the grittiness of Myrtle Beach. Yeah, and that sucks because, you know, even in the 70s when, you know, a lot of these things that we're referring to were new, it was still kind of gritty and raw. And, you know, like with my mom, she would let me go in those places, but she wouldn't go in them. My dad would take me in them. Right. And the time was rather limited. You know, I mean, he was a couple of years older. So in plus him being a boy, he had a little bit more freedom. But, you know, my my parents were always like, oh, we don't they always referred to those stores as head shops because a lot of them would, would <laughs> sell would sell rolling papers and bongs. Well, you know? I mean, at that point, it kind of is a head shop. I mean, I mean, man, it's like. And used to look at those bongs and go, what is that? Starting, <laughs> Flower pot. starting yeah. in early evening when the sun was starting to go down, that place took on a whole different <laughs> yes, it did. approach like it was like it was run by carnies. You know? Yeah, and, but that was the magical time to be there. During yeah. the day, it wasn't quite the same. At night, it was to a kid kind of scary and dangerous, you know? Yeah. and, he, and Especially still... the towns we lived in as kids, you know, mm-hmm. little small southern towns. You go to Myrtle Beach and it was like, lol. <laughs> well, to me, I still kind of view it as the same thing is like you know things are different in the north than they are in the south and they are in the midwest and they right. are the northwest everywhere has their own way of living and doing things mm-hmm. and to me it just feels like if you want to go to a nice beach go to surfside go to north myrtle they're right. they're right next to each other you know it's yeah. like i like having south myrtle beach still be that little bit of the shithole you right, know right. I, I enjoy that yeah. there's there's a certain we amount love that of and there's funness. a charm to it sure the big the moment it really hit me like even pulling in i was like wow it's really nice it must be sunny out today and everything seems really clean and nice you know it really hit me when we went to the arcade every time they didn't have new machines it wasn't extremely updated it wasn't like so they were the old machines they were still a good handful of the old machines of course there's going to be cycled out update new ones Mm -hmm. that you know it's like oh this one's gone but this is now in its place the new hot thing that's always going to happen but the ski ball and the little baseball games and the drop the ball into the hole there's a bunch of the classic ones this was the first year that they used a card system and not tokens oh there's something about having those tokens in your hand they and loading print, and them in the machine. They don't print out tickets anymore. And it works like Dave & Buster's. So when you go to Dave & Buster's, you have all the same kind of arcade games, but you go up to the thing. They give you what works like kind of like a gift card. You load up the money on there. You go up to the machine. You swipe it. And if you get tickets, it gets loaded onto your card. Now, there's benefits to that, which is you don't have to hold on to tickets. You don't feel obligated to turn them in every time. You can rack up tickets go there countless times and all of a sudden before you know it you can get the really big thing up on the wall so there are pros to it but when you're at the beach you're not gonna be there long enough to really rack up all those tickets it works for dave and busters where it's also a restaurant and it's local but if you're at the beach you just want to throw in some quarters get some tickets get the bouncy ball and the laffy taffy and go on with your day <laughs> yeah you know, spend fifty dollars <laughs> get a fidget spinner and be done right right <laughs> Yeah, man. Also, during those times at the arcade, <clears throat> the first, and as far as I, I know, the only time I ever saw the Ted Nugent pinball machine. Really? Yeah, <laughs> man. I'm walking through there, and all of a sudden, I turn around, and there's that big picture from Weekend Warriors, uh-huh. and I was just like, just like you hear that music. Oh, <laughs> like, oh my god. <laughs> I about had a little shit fit, though, because they did, like I said, they had a couple new games in there, so they have to reorganize, you know, where some machines are. And I don't know why. 
It's the simplest game ever, but the one that I was addicted to. When I went to the beast at one time by myself and just took a Greyhound, I literally sat at this machine for hours. I felt like a fucking gambling addict in Vegas. <laughs> it's a board slightly tilted down, <clears throat> plexiglass on top, and you've got a little rubber ball, and you're trying to get it directly down the center. That's it. You've got multiple holes lined up around the corner. It kind of comes out like a triangle, and you've got little bumpers and little stops that'll make it move around. But all your it's like Plinko on Price is Right almost, but it's just with a ball, and you're just trying to get it straight down the center. And I can play that game all day long, just I've dropping it and just trying to figure out. Okay, so how is this one leaning? Okay, this is not a good one. Go down a few more. Okay, let's try this one. Okay, this one's a little <laughs> bit more balanced. God, the ball's on this one. <laughs> You're just cycling through and trying to figure out which one's going to so work So that machine just really gives you major tunnel vision. Yes, and I was a little upset because they took out like half of them, and I'm like, fuckers. <laughs> they probably left the ones that were off balance. <laughs> Look, you assholes. Well, I was telling Jeff this the other night because we were talking about, you know, fairs, and, you know, my, my parents were, you know, obviously very cautious about things and pretty darn strict, but... Yeah. When it came to games, whether they were set up at Myrtle Beach or whether they were just coming through town, my parents were like, no, we're not <laughs> wasting money on games because they thought they were all rigged. Well, they were at the time. Yeah. And, um, you know, but they, they would let me play pinball on occasion. Um, my dad would play. Was, was it ski ball where you flip those little things and the ball would? Oh, the little man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was foosball. that? Foosball. Foosball. Yeah. yeah. They'd let me do that, but that was usually about the extent of it. But he was saying that his mom would go to great lengths to avoid taking them to the fair. What but was she it? She would pay us to not go. <laughs> <laughs> she said, I'd rather pay you this don't... money and you save this money and do something you know, good with it rather than go to the fair and be ripped and off. And have every dollar ripped off, you know. <laughs> but mom, it's the experience of being hey, ripped off. Hey, there were, there were plenty of times. There were plenty of times. Like, oh, I got to go to the fair. Oh, oh, tell Alex and everybody about that guy that scared the shit out of you. He was one of the carnies that was operating. Oh, yeah, the yeah, man. This wasn't even like at the main Stanley County Fair. This was like some little rinky dink thing they'd set up. In the parking lot of one of the malls. Okay, yeah, now, I've seen those. And it, the rides weren't inspected uh, or anything back oh, of then. Of course not. Uh, it was a place called the Quinby Mall. Okay. This is also the place where I, first and only time ever, rode a real elephant. So, <laughs> hey, that. at least you rode an elephant. <laughs> yeah, rode an elephant. Most <laughs> of us quaint can't say that. <laughs> Got one on me, man. I've awesome. ridden an elephant. <laughs> and uh, there was a ride there called the Scrambler. Mm, I love the Scrambler. Well, this Scrambler, man, the thing that intrigued me about it, like all the cars were like silver and red. And right. they had, I get, I don't know if it was painted or there were decals on the side, but it had animals' faces like in a state of rage. All right. Like a tiger. <laughs> <laughs> had a monkey on there. <laughs> you know, it wasn't a cute little monkey. It was like a rabid one. <laughs> showing her teeth and her mouths wide open. I was like, wow, this is cool. <laughs> and, you know, you see it going around. You see the bottom of it going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the bolts, <laughs> bolts not tight. Like, ah, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> It'll last one more ride. <laughs> and, man, the, the, the guy that ran this thing, uh, I, I guess it was the first time I ever noticed about, you know, Especially back then, how that those carny people were like a whole uh, tribe of yeah, people. a whole tribe of 
people right. on, on their own thing, man. Mm-hmm. This dude, he had tattoos, which I was not accustomed to seeing other than the ones on my uncles that were in just, the Navy. Yeah, just men in the service. Yeah, right. yeah. like a bunch of tattoos, a bunch of weird stuff. And he had one of those eyes that didn't have pigment in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was missing uh-huh. some teeth. Yeah. He was wearing some kind of weird hat. And he had his frizzy, like, old... Pictures of David Allen Coe hair, you know, and <laughs> and he was just he just had this grin on his face, and I, I remember I couldn't take my eyes off of him. Yeah, he intrigued I was, you. I was yeah, just like wow, you know, what's up with this I'm guy? I'm kind of scared of this, but <laughs> I can't look away. Very cool. You yeah, know? I can't look this away. Even the sideshow act, and, <laughs> right? <laughs> and he noticed. <laughs> that I was looking at it. That's the worst. And man, he looked right at me with that damn pale ass, no pigment eye, and he just done this big. <laughs> oh God, no! You know, with them teeth, with like what little teeth he had in there, bright yellow. And, and I just remember like, just I don't. I mean, I didn't cry or nothing. Or Were you kind of frozen? But, but I was just kind of like. You know, making sure somebody I knew was close by. <laughs> but that that imagery has stuck with me all my life, you know. And I just, but it, every time you talk about, oh, there's a fair in so and so Columbia or wherever, man, that dude pops up in my head. But there's, but there's animals going. Rah! <laughs> It is crazy how just a single sentence or an image or even a sound yeah, will can just, stick with you. I, that'll happen with me with smells. Yeah, I cannot smell something for a long time. And then and then you just catch that whiff and it's like, oh, this. Yes, yes. That's I know exactly shit. what you mean. It's like when Katie says, you know, well, they, they had pizza today in the cafeteria. There was a particular aroma that school pizza had that nothing else smelled like. And I know that it's not the same anymore. It's probably yeah. some dry ass cardboard shit, you know. I mean, we had like grease floating on the top, and <laughs> it was so flimsy you had to eat it with a knife and fork. And, oh, yeah. And so, needless to say, I loved it because, you know, I love grease, you know, but it, 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 it wasn't even like pizza. There was nothing else like no. it. And then it just had a, a certain aroma to it that, mm-hmm. you know, I've never smelled since, but I still have that scent in my mind so i know exactly what you're talking about you're saying that actually reminded me so uh i was definitely a fat kid and then we went on the low carb diet when i was in school and you were packing me lunches every day and you're like you're having salads you're having you know cold cuts you're having cheese i'd give you a piece of roasted chicken like a chicken drumstick yeah Mm -hmm. you were definitely cool and well (laughs) bless its heart i look back on it now and think oh i'm glad he weathered that (laughs) barely yeah and but the, you know, you uh, didn't complain about it. You were so good about it. But I guess you figured there was no fucking days. point. <laughs> <laughs> did that lunch get chopped in the trash? I, I, no, I remember this one time specific. I did. I never did it often, but there was this one specific time. One of my friends was not hungry, and he got his food, and he had his pizza. And I had already eaten. And he went, do you want my pizza? I'm full, but I'm going... Fuck, I've not had this in forever. Right. And I went, yeah. So he gives it to me, and I take a bite, and then I go, oh, God, I really, I'm really full. I'm going to put it in my Ziploc bag, and I'm going to eat it. A recessor on my last breaker. You know, there was some there was some time in my head I'm going, I can eat this before I get home. <laughs> I completely forget about it, and I leave it in the lunchbox. And... 
no no fucking secret of course i didn't leave the lunchbox in the kitchen i took it to the room with my book bag and just placed everything on the bed as i continued just to fuck around you go hey bring me your lunchbox that jogs my memory of fuck there's pizza in there <laughs> i grabbed the pizza and put it behind the bed oh no you don't remember this i don't i remember the cat pissing on your uh book bag and the lunch lady being really nice and being like Mmm, smells like you've got a cat. <laughs> when she took your lunch, Monty, but I don't remember the pizza. <laughs> no, uh, and then months later, uh, we were moving out, and you moved the bed. Was this the trailer in Gaffney, or this, the house? This was on Gocher. Okay, that was a trailer. Right. Uh, you were moving the bed out. The brand new double wide. <laughs> <laughs> you moved the bed out and you pulled up the Ziploc bag and it was just black on the inside. <laughs> and you're like, what is this? At that moment, I remember, I'm like, I really don't know. You're like, this is gross. That's why I tell you to clean up your room and you put it in the trash bag. <laughs> Well, you know, if, if it was just the point of being like this wad of black mold at that point, you had no motivation to confess. I mean, well, it, it could have been it was anything. So it I was like, been I don't a, know. Yeah, it could have been a piece of chicken, but but you knew. But that's that's okay. Well, because it was also still in that square shape. It was cool pizza. It wasn't going to decompose. Too many that much. too many preservatives. That must yes. have been a great Ziploc bag, though, for it not to have like you know seeped out at some point. But still, I, this when you said school pizza, I, I just immediately saw that ziploc bag with all that black mold in it just be like dodge that bullet yeah your your past literally came back to haunt you (laughs) that's hilarious oh my god man i got a school a school food story to tell you what you got when i was in first grade i guess Mm -hmm. first grade now uh i had a pinocchio lunchbox Mm, mm. okay god i call shit for that What are you, some kind of baby? <laughs> it's we're a- first grade. We're all <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, mom always told me, whatever you don't eat of your lunch, bring it home. Because it was she, usually an apple. Because she went, yeah, an apple usually made, made the trip home. Really? Yeah. Little Debbie was well, the first to go. Well, I bought, <laughs> like, they, they had these things, these uh, ice cream sandwiches you could get. I don't know how much they were, man. Dime, quarter. Mm-hmm. This is a long time ago. But uh, <clears throat> I bought an ice cream sandwich. Mm-hmm. And I only ate half of it. And I was like, well, I didn't eat anything this. So I racked the paper back up, put a lunchbox to the home. <laughs> I'm on the damn bus, man. There's ice cream dripping everywhere I walk. You know, and I'm taking home, throwing it up on the... <laughs> she's like... What, what, why are you bringing I me? Mean, it's like nothing but ice cream and the little cookies floating in it and stuff. You're like, why did you, you said bring home what I don't, don't eat? I, I, you know, the, the whole thing about kids taking things so literally. Like the one time the motherfucker listens to it. Right. The one time he decides to obey and it has to be a melted ice cream sandwich. He brings me home milk and cookies. What the fuck? But kids taking things so literally, that's just that, that, you know, even in the moment, you have to be like, you know, well, you know, you should have used more common sense than that. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, your insides are going, that is fucking hilarious. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, there were quite a few times where, and I don't know if you remember this or not, but you'd do something and then you'd use humor to get out of me kind of like getting on your ass about it. I, and and I, I eventually that working once. 
just once. I remember working a couple of times. You'd be like really clever and funny and kind of give me some funny explanation for it. And I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to let you and get by with this because using humor to get out of a sticky situation is a good life skill. And so I remember <laughs> letting that go. I only remember that working once. I was getting all over your nerves. Where the Jesus store and the shoe store. Mm-hmm. Gaffney. And um, we were in there and I was getting all over your nerves and you're like, you were getting an ass whooping when you get home. <laughs> and I just remember being a charming little fuck the rest mm-hmm. of the day. Mm-hmm. And you just forgot about it. Oh, you I didn't, didn't say, forget. It, well, I, I asked you later and you said you forgot. Well, that was <laughs> that, that was your past for sure. But I remember us going like through I said, this. So I only remember that working <clears> once. <throat> you were always very... You weren't one of those kids that were in their own world. You were always like good at communicating with me, like just riding in the car, going into Walmart, even looking at at stuff that you weren't even interested in. And there for a while, you went through a phase of the mama look was (laughs) touching the items instead of pointing. Right. And I'm like, you look with your eyes, not with your hands. And just, you know, for months, I was like, quit touching, quit touching, quit touching, quit touching. And I'm like, (laughs) if you touch something one more time, I'm going to slap your hand as hard as I can. I said, and I held my hand up. I said, touch it again. (laughs) Touch it again. And you went about 10 minutes without touching something. Mm -hmm. And then that hand went out to touch something again. I was like, kapam! (laughs) And never again was it a... Mama, look, <laughs> holding something. It was a index finger. Mama, look. <laughs> I remember that, and I remember you had a hard time trying to keep me next to you in a store. Oh yeah, you, I fixed that. Uh huh. I remember that clearly. Mm-hmm. You're in Walmart, and I went running off again, and I turned around, and you were gone. And I, because I remember, I remember saying, "I'm going to go down this aisle," and you said something. But I didn't stick around long enough to actually hear what it, it was. It was probably a not right now kind of thing. Yeah. But in my head, I'm going. I didn't hear her, so she didn't tell me no. <laughs> I wasn't gonna lie. I, I genuinely didn't hear you. Right. I, I heard words, but I genuinely didn't hear what you said. I could have been said. talking to myself, which you do often, and you could have been saying, "Okay, I'm right here," mm-hmm. which I'm remembering where you are. You take forever in a spot. I'm like, cool. I can disappear for a minute. I told her I'm gonna go. It's not like I'm just leaving. She'll be right here. Come back a few minutes later. Gone. Okay. She's just down the other aisle. Kind of mosey down a couple aisles. I'm quickly scurrying my way back to where you were. Still just looking around. Just kind of stand there for a minute. What feels like five minutes goes by. I'm still just kind of looking around. I peep back down the aisle I was in. And at this point, I'm starting to get the, okay, where the fuck is she? (laughs) (laughs) Mind you, I could see you the whole time. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're peering around the corner and letting me just sweat it. And Mm -hmm. at some point, you just finally pop around the corner and you're like, I told you not to go. Yeah, but at that point, you had been reduced to tears and Mm -hmm. screaming, Mommy! Really loud. Uh And I'm like, want to walk off again? Well, how old was I? Fifteen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, you 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 were about four or five. So I think that's a very valid response for a four or five year old. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you there was none of that wandering off or I'm gonna go over here bullshit anymore. <laughs> I think Jeff, you kind of corrected that yourself on the whole running off, slipping. No, that wasn't me. That was Greg. Oh, that was Greg. But he you learned a lot himself. by that, watching his mistakes. Man, listen, I, I never really gave mom hell. Oh, you were the perfect child. I was the perfect child. Yeah. Well, what the hell happened? Man, Greg. It was pent like, up all those years and you finally just had to let it out. It's like, it's like Greg, you know, like we would go to town on Saturday morning and, you know, we'd get out of the car. Greg would just be like, Pew, you know, like running. Yeah. Mom yelling. 
me having a chase after him. <laughs> you know, Go ahead and stop running. You know? <laughs> We're at Sky City. I don't know if you know what a Sky City is. Essentially like a Walmart almost. Or Kmart. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like every area had their own versions. Of we had Sky City and Roses. That yeah. was... Yeah, I remember Roses. We, we also had Grants. Yep. I had Grants too. But... um. We're going to Sky City, man, and, uh, you know, th- th- this is a bigger parking lot. And he takes off running. And my mom is mad as hell. <laughs> and now I'm having to chase his ass again, you know, and I'm just like, ah. Oh. So he's like, he's full speed, man. Bah! He's ready. He goes to the front door, pushes it open. <laughs> goes to the second door, pushes it open. And he's running, and he takes... Takes a left and he goes running up to where the, the registers are, and I'm behind him, man. I'm like, oh. and as soon as he gets up to the registers, his feet come out from under him and he falls flat like, <laughs> and his, his kindergarten teacher is standing in the line waiting to get checked out. Everybody. Laughs at him. Oh my god! <laughs> the cashiers, the people waiting in line, other store employees, people walking by, because it was just like he was in the a air. bat out of hell, uh, and all of a sudden, <laughs> this and, was back in the day before you rushed to a child's aid to go. Oh, honey, are you okay? It's like, oh, look, the fucker was running. He's looking busted in his ass. Like, ah! It was just like TV. Everybody's like, ah! like you can see the H A H A floating in the air. <laughs> <laughs> he slowly got up and he had this look on his face this smile like I don't know whether I should cry or or just keep smiling his face was so red he was embarrassed he gets that white hair and I remember I came up and got him by the hand and made him hold mom's hand the whole you know or mom said you're gonna hold my hand the whole time <laughs> <laughs> never really run off that much though did no I? you didn't either no you were you were a very very good child there were just a handful of incidences and you know now with doing the work that i do working with autistic children you know the rules are totally different you know because yeah. i i was i was a pretty black and white kind of mom you know mm-hmm. it's like you do this this happens and you know, both you and your sister understood it, and you decided whether you wanted to go by the rules or break the rules, and there were consequences. It was real cut and dry. Yeah. And you, for the most part, I'd say 95% of the time, decided to go by the rules, and I think it's because it made sense to you. Right. And you were like, yeah, cool, okay, well, we can do that. I also realized when I followed the rules, life was easier. Yeah, we could laugh. <laughs> good but, you know. If I didn't follow the rules, <clears throat> you made my life hell, and I wanted to have a fun life. <laughs> you, didn't want your, didn't get yeah, you, didn't, you didn't want your butt to hurt. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, the only time you ever had a meltdown was twice over the over the glow-in-the-dark Legos mm-hmm. and then the Pokemon when we were in Best Buy. Okay. And I remember when you were having that meltdown over the Pokemon at Best Buy, I remember looking at you going, what the fuck is wrong with you? You don't do this. I think you were trying it to see if I would go, oh, okay, we can get it. But it didn't work because I took you out of the parking lot, tore your ass up. <laughs> Man, I really don't know because a lot of the <clears throat> stories you've you know told me back, I've been able to at least maybe 
think of where I would have been mentally mm-hmm. with that going, okay, I think I was thinking this or right. judging on similar things that happened later mm-hmm. in how I felt. I was maybe feeling a version, an immature version of this. Right. I genuinely, I remember that day. I remember it clearly. Mm-hmm. I really don't know where I was coming from on that. I think it was because Pokemon was just kind of starting to leak out and mm-hmm. you were really attracted to it. And I think it was the first time you'd actually seen an item in a store. And I think it just stimulated that want in you so bad and so know, hard. I don't know because at that point, you, I had had some cards. Toys R Us had toys. This was after that. This was, I know. That, that's my point, though, yeah. is I had seen the items in the store. So I don't think it would have been necessarily seeing that item at Best Buy going, oh, my God, that's something I don't see all the time and mom's not getting it for me. I feel like I would have seen that elsewhere. I, I'm just I'm I, just trying to understand the placement on that. The only thing I could think of was if that was maybe around the same time period that uh, remember when Nana was being a butt and um was saying that I shoved her and I wasn't able to get those video games. Vaguely. She was always accusing you of some mm, sort of crazy behavior. We uh, we were in Best Buy. It was a different time and it was a different location and we were with her. I think we were visiting her somewhere. And I was, you told me I could get a few Game Boy games and they had the three Star Wars games that came out. And you said I couldn't get all three of them because you saw the price and I could only get one. And I was trying to weave past her so I could see. And I was telling her, Nana move, Nana move, Nana move. She wasn't moving. I move her. All of a sudden, I'm shoving her. Right. She goes, your son just shoved me. And you went, well, now you're not getting anything. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, ah! I just wanted her to move so I could see which one I wanted to get. I can only get one of these. I want to look at the boxes and see which one I want. And I don't want my time to choose to be cut short by some old woman standing in the way. Because I know none of these people want to be in this store right now. They're here for me. I'm trying to make this quick. (laughs) But, you know, I think part of the reason why you and I were on the same page and you and I got along so well, you know, as, as son and mom and as friends, is because you always knew I had your back. You always knew I understood you. Well, like it also that goes day back- that I pulled you out of school and we gave him the finger. Yeah. And you know, you just you you were just like, Oh my God, like this is just the coolest fucking moment ever. Like mom yeah. understood that these people were torturing me, that they don't understand me, and she came in and she pulled me out in a really dramatic way. Like now, we didn't just kind of fade away. She was like, Fuck all y'all. I'm taking him with me. Now Katie lives in constant fear that that's gonna happen. Yeah. Katie will not let me get involved in any sort of school thing right. at all. I'm like, do I need to go up and handle it? No, 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 no. I've got it. I've got it. I'm like, I'm not thinking you do. I can take care of it. She's like, no, I'd rather you not take care of it. Well, well, going back to this outburst thing that you had, do you think maybe you saw that somewhere and you were imitating it? Because I've seen kids do that. Like They don't normally do that. Mm Mm-hmm. But they see something Possibly. on a TV show or a cartoon. I don't, like Bart I don't Simpson feel, pitching yeah, it or something. I don't feel I was that <laughs> easily influenced, though. And no. that's why you would let me watch a lot of different cartoons, even if there were bratty kids in it. Yeah, I'd be like, you know, you know you do that, and it's going to turn out different. Yeah, because I'd be watching something, <laughs> and there would be a kid <laughs> acting up, and I would be is. laughing or, you know, m- you know, saying it back to myself or something, you, and you would kind of just pop around the corner and be like, you ever do that with me? I'm, I'm like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I never paid attention to the Disney Channel because uh, my kids always watched uh, Nickelodeon cartoons and stuff. Yep. And, and I always thought those were, I mean, I'd watch them with them because yeah. I enjoyed them. 
But when when I started seeing your mom, and uh, I'd be over at her house, Katie would be watching those Disney shows, and I'd mm-hmm. be sitting at the computer doing something or at the table, you know, writing something or whatever, and uh, I would hear those shows, and they were all based, they all had this same formula. All the adults are idiots. Yep. All the young kids are diabolical brats. Mm-hmm. And the little twins that the show was about had all the answers, had all the common sense, and all that. And I was just like going, this is terrible. And, and, and it's funny you mentioned that because the cartoons I remember liking as a kid, the parents had nothing to do with it. Like, like Blue's Clues didn't have any parents yeah, on it. No yeah. parents at all. Thoroughly, well, that was more of a baby like kids show. I'm talking about maybe like when I started getting a little older. Mm-hmm. Stuff like Cat Dog. No parents involved at all. Dexter's Laboratory. Mm-hmm. The parents were a minor subplot, but it was but they the, weren't the butt of the joke. It, it was the main idea of the typical dad that reads the newspaper and, and fully paying attention to the kid, and that's how he's <laughs> able to get away with having the laboratory. And the mom, that's the typical housewife. Right. Sure, you can find issues with that in today's society, but it's like they weren't painted as dumb. Right. You know, they, they were, were just... painted as oblivious right. for the sake of the cartoon, which is mm-hmm. fine, but they weren't dumb. Right. And Johnny Bravo, there, there was no adults in there. And the adults that were there was Johnny Bravo. And he was kind of like a big kid that flirted with anything that had tits and a pussy. You know, so it's like it was essentially just a guy running around trying to get tail in a most clean way possible. And those were the shows that I thoroughly enjoyed as a kid. It had nothing to do with kids being smarter than adults or adults being dumb. And that's exactly what you're kind of going with, Jeff, is the landscape of cartoons has shifted a lot. And I think it also comes from a place of, look at Ren and Stimpy. Mm-hmm. Kids would like that today. I liked Ren and Stimpy. Mm-hmm. It didn't affect me negatively. I didn't grow up to feel violent or have an overly crude sense of humor mm-hmm. because just because they did. And plus but the little ones didn't quite get a lot exactly. of you know what was going on in those. But if that were to be aired today, mm-hmm. the parents would be the ones having the biggest issues with they- it. And the kids today wouldn't be able to separate the, mm-hmm. this is a cartoon and this is here for me to laugh, not for me to emulate. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it's just like, you know, Looney Tunes when we were kids. You know, we didn't think we wanted to emulate Cowdy and the Roadrunner. Good God. You know, what, that was though, a fucking I, cartoon. You, and, 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 and Lord, we're not going to go down this rabbit hole, but just to even take it to those further extremes, Tom and Jerry had gun use. Exactly. You didn't feel like pulling out your gun and shooting the fucking no. cat. Exactly. <laughs> you knew that that would literally cause death, and it's right. a fucking cartoon. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, Greg and I do cite that watching uh, Looney Tunes and Merry Medleys and all that stuff as kids, as much as we did, did help shape our sense of humor. Oh, yeah, oh, it for absolutely sure. helps shape your sense of humor, yeah. but I don't think it negatively shapes your personality. And and the thing about sense of humor, and this is something I pointed out to him the other day, Katie was in the back seat, and, you know, we'll say things back and forth to each other and laugh at each other and obviously laugh at ourselves because we're dorks, but we'll say things and, you know, we'll kind of like occasionally think it should be funny to a broad audience, mm-hmm. so we'll make the stupid repeated mistake of turning around in the back seat looking at her like, Ha ha ha, you know, like, like oh, get it, get it. Get it. <laughs> and I looked at him the other day and I said, I think 
specifically you, have gone over into the old man's sense of humor. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, whenever we go visit my biological dad, who's like 83 now, he'll say things. And it's just really not funny, but we know at our age to give it the courtesy chuckle. Right. You know? But I think it's funny. But, but, <laughs> but sense of humor definitely you know, kind of evolves and the things that, that we think are funny, like what the old roasts that we watch. Yeah, Dean Martin roasts. Yeah, mm -hmm. those are hilarious. And you would think that they oh, were yeah. funny. I mean, but they anybody those on TV today. Oh, yeah. No way. The things that they say, <laughs> good gosh. I mean, you put it under a microscope of today's standards, right. and it's just, I mean, these people would be hauled off and arrested. You know? <laughs> well, see, this actually brings up an interesting thing, which... I wanted to talk about maybe with like an actual comedian, but actually I think it would be more engaging with you guys. So maybe don't compare it so much with Katie because there's still a 10 year difference between me and her. Big difference. Um, yeah. She has old parents. So I would say that there's still a gap between what I may find funny and what you guys may find funny. But here's maybe the overarching idea of it is at what point, if you can think of one, Looking at stand-up specials, looking at TV sitcoms, did you start going, this isn't funny anymore? At what point did you kind of go, this is a comedy for people, like, this This passed me, I don't get it anymore? Um, as far as stand-up is concerned, um, I think it definitely evolved with the political correctness, and mm -hmm. it had to become a little more clever. And... I don't always pride myself in finding clever humor to be appealing to me. I like more inappropriate humor. You like more observational humor. Yeah. Okay. And the observational humor can be pretty brutal and ugly without it being offensive. And, you know, I'm a woman, I'm a Southerner, and I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. And I can take it on the chin on all three of those levels. Because those three things, there are a lot of funny things that come along with right. the three of those. And so I don't personally get offended when a comedian goes after those things. But... And, and those things, those, those two of those things, the Southerner and the Christian thing can still be taken shots at. Right. But the woman thing, you can't make woman jokes anymore. And nope. I think that's kind of sad because we're hilarious. <laughs> Just like you guys are, too. It's okay to make a man joke, though. But women jokes are funny because we're quirky and weird just like because you guys the, are. The whole, the whole thing of men trying to figure <clears throat> women out mm -hmm. to make sure we do the right thing. It's a funny story. Yeah, absolutely. I don't care who you are. And, yeah. and the reason it's funny is because no two women are exactly the same. Exactly. You can compliment a girl one way, mm -hmm. but then that fall on deaf ears on the next. Exactly. So it's it's not even a situation of oh we're dumb men and we can't figure out women. It's no we're every woman's different. different, and guess what? Every guy mm. is different too. And yeah. you can also sit here and go. We can't figure out guys. One second they're emotional little shitheads, and the next second they just want to use our mouths as a little fuck toy. It's like yeah, a meat puppet. <laughs> yeah, so it's like you can do the exact same shit with us. We're all humor, we're idiots. And I think the thing that appeals to me about comedy is not having limitations on anything. Sure, sure. Because even as a Christian and someone you raised me as, mm -hmm. I do not get offended by people taking shot at Christians. No, even, because even, we're funny and we're weird. And even yeah. even if it's down to the point of these people believe in a fucking sky god and they think that some text that was written years ago that certainly couldn't have any typos or any translation issues whatsoever, they still believe wholeheartedly. It's like, 
Yeah, I okay, I get and that. And it's because we can put ourselves in their shoes and see how they see it that way. Mm-hmm. And it does look ridiculous Absolutely. if you don't believe. So we understand that and we can find that funny. We don't find it and, offensive. And see, I'm a guy that doesn't subscribe to any of it. Right. And so I look at it all it's funny on the outside. And weird. Like, oh, you believe in some dude that sat under a tree for what I'm there, or you believe in forest creatures mm-hmm. talking and trees walking. <laughs> it's all kind of funny. If yeah, you ask me. exactly. And you it know? should be free game. Because the kind of comedy I've been finding lately that I like is stuff that you maybe don't get on the first listen. Stuff that what, what people refer to as meta essentially so the the big thing about comedy is it's exactly the same thing as being a musician you have a set you you rehearse those jokes right this happened to me the other day no it didn't right you're, you're making up a story at this point it was probably two years ago but if, if it, it ever happened, happened right <laughs> if it ever happened they're creating a story for you just like you create a song your song can be truthful song can be 100 fictional same mm-hmm. as a stand-up the stuff that i've been finding most interesting are stand-ups that are intentionally not trying to be as funny, but are holding up a mirror at the idea of comedy. Yeah, see, that's too complex for my funny I, bone. I love that, though. Like, But with, you're also more intellectual than I am, so... Yeah, the whole intellect thing mixed with a comedy is something that just kind of goes in my brain, because <laughs> my sense of humor, and, and his, I think, too, for the most part is like middle school boy like farting waffle iron you know off of youtube i will pull that up intentionally to laugh at it over and over and over she can have to wear a neck brace after (laughs) i mean a farting waffle iron that's comedy gold and stuff like you know uh richard pryor um uh uh uh, the name just left me george carlin Mm -hmm. you know that that kind of humor and even like you know well, see, bill cosby he was super clean so it doesn't yeah. have to be dirty or, yeah, or hateful to be, to be funny Some, like like a bunch of times the dirty gets ridiculous it's yeah. overdone like, yeah like, and it's tiresome know, how many times can you say dick right uh-huh. exactly and i don't like sexual humor very much either no. like a little bit of sexual humor i'm okay with like my favorite joke against guys was always um why do we need men mm. <sighs> Because we can't teach a vibrator how to mow the grass. <laughs> but you know that that's well, about. See, that's funny. But yeah, but that's that about. Funny. But that's about. That's about as far as my sexual humor goes. But, but see, man, the last <clears throat> uh, big comedian that I was a big fan of, I think, was uh, Sam Kennison. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just to tell you the long gap. Yeah, yeah. And see, man, like when Jeff, when, when a Jeff uh, Foxworthy came out, I kind of thought he was contributing. To the making fun of Southern people, and see, and right I realize there, now that he really wasn't right, mm-hmm. and and I was fine with him doing it because he was. But back then, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way, and I and I never gave you know I never liked. Well, I think too, Larry the Cable Guy. Or well, see your stuff. your mindset on that though, and even bringing up George Carlin. Bo, the guy I was just talking about, has cited Carlin as a huge inspiration because he was he was breaking away from the form. He was doing at that time subversive comedy. Very he, much so. He yeah. was doing something. He was breaking away from the mold, and that's a huge inspiration and, for Bo. And what you were saying with the whole Larry the Cable Guy thing, he doesn't have that accent. He doesn't have all that. Mm-hmm. His specials are a rebellion against that and going, I can make you laugh and I can make you think by being me without having to be someone fake. And I think that. 
that's the draw to it that I like is the realness of everything. I think the thing about me and Jeff, and you know, I'd, I'd like to blame our age, but it just might be our limited thinking and limited perspective on things because we do admit that we are very limited in how we see things. It's very dated. It's very 70s oriented. And George Carlin for his time was very, very controversial. Now, you know, you put that against certain things and, you know, just the social commentary of George Carlin, mm-hmm. it, it's not outside the box, but for that time, the way he thought was just outrageous. And not everything he said I agreed with, but I liked the way that he thought. I liked the way he could connect A, B, C, and D yep. and come up with Z. And you see, know what I mean? And see, that's the thing too, you don't have to agree. I, I personally don't have to agree with everybody that entertains me mm-hmm. whether it be comedy or music or uh, anything or even political commentary <laughs> you know, you, i don't have to agree with everything mm-hmm. some people think that they have to that in order to be a, a fan or a supporter of something that you have to uh, agree with this person has to agree with you 100%. And I'm, I'm just not like that because I'm not either. They're just like there's so many different uh personalities out there, there's so many types of uh entertainment. And, and if you just say, Oh, I only like stuff that falls in line with what I think is the way things should be, you're, mm-hmm. you're gonna like very little stuff. And uh, Although, as far as new stuff and new music, uh, it's, getting, I, I it's hard. I was getting ready to go on new, on new things as far as comedy. Mm-hmm. There are two people that, are, that I guess got their start on YouTube mm-hmm. that we're big fans of. One is, uh, what's the, the guy's name that does a Southern Mama? Darren Knight. Darren Knight. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who we're going to see him. next month. Nice. And this month. Is it? Oh, God. It's it is June. the first. Good God. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, summer's here. <laughs> See, I really live in the past. <laughs> and, uh, and and also, what's the uh, guy from... The black couple? Yes. Daz and Melissa. Yeah. Comedian Daz and Melissa. Cause, and see, we grew up with people like that. They're, and like when they, when they do their act, it's like, man, we know people that either have said or done or probably said and done the very thing they're doing right there, and the reason know? i think the reason why they kind of stick out to us is obviously black humor is different than white humor mm-hmm. and black humor is gold but new stuff we have a hard time relating to right. and this couple is our age and they're south carolina uh, so they're yeah. older southern black people and the way they speak the cadence of their accent mm-hmm. and the way they relate to each other is like what we remember our peers parents talking to each other and right. it is hilarious it is so funny and the guy is so old-fashioned and fuss at his at his wife for like doing everything the preacher wants her to do because she's so active in church and yeah. it's just it is it's so funny <laughs> but it's kind of like real life situation and you don't have to be super intelligent to think it's funny <laughs> we'll see the, the it's real basic the, the two, and hilarious the two comedians if we're going down that route that i'm still thoroughly enjoying Bo he doesn't tour anymore make happy was like literally his like final thing mm-hmm. and, and when and if you ever watch it you'll understand why it was his final thing like the last moment on stage was his way of going this is making happy by leaving the stage and the two comedians that are still out there doing stuff though uh burt kreischer the machine oh yeah 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 he is funny as hell and of course uh brian regan 
Yeah. I think those are the two, if we want to go on observational and just goofy humor. Yeah, and I saw Brian Regan. Russ took me, and oh, it was, we had a really, really good time. Nah, he was fabulous. Ronald Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Regan. I saw Ronald Reagan. Really? In, in real life? Yes. Damn. At South Park. No shit. Tell us yeah. that. Tell us a story. Um,. How long have I known you? Reagan, You've never told me I've this. I've told you this before. <laughs> okay. I, I'll take your word for it. I showed you. Remember I showed you where that building that is there now? Son of a you, gun. I do remember now. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, told you it, it, I said that used to not be there. Okay. Remember I said I'm old. <laughs> and uh, Reagan was talking at South Park. And I went. And, of course, I'm wearing this damn black leather vest. <laughs> and this is... Very early 80s. Yeah, the young Republicans. And they had a big airbrushed damn misfit skull on the back of it. And so I get put on the news. Ah. <laughs> As I'm going through the metal detectors and stuff, yeah. they'd film me. You were the token weirdo at the young Republicans. Yeah, because yeah, that was back when like the whole preppy thing was yeah, such was a... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, we definitely stood out. And that was something I was talking to Katie about is in the 80s. And, you know, he wasn't really attuned to this because obviously he's a guy and I'm a chick. But in the 80s, you it was cool to take a fashion risk. Right. You know, you would go to like Goodwill and you could actually find vintage stuff from the 50s because it wasn't a thing like vintage stuff is now. Right. And you'd combine those elements of style with something current and your girlfriends were like, oh my God, that is the coolest outfit. I love the way you put that together. And, you know, now girls don't take fashion risks. Right. They wear what they see on mannequins in stores. And, mm -hmm. you know, even still sometimes I'll or wear Or what something. the YouTube influencers right. have to say And is there's hot. nothing original or interestingly put together. There's no mixing of, you know, this style and that style to make a whole new one. And I told Katie, I said, you know, why do you always wear, you know, sweatpants and a t-shirt like there's so many other things you can do with your style and she's like well we just don't do that anymore and i'm like but you can start you know but I there's think, no think way that's, that's kind of happen. just the culture because I, I fall into that i think it's more or less the way the economic system had been for basically the past 10 years and still kind of today for you know a younger society I mean, even, you know, where I'm at, there have to be two incomes coming in. You know, my job alone cannot support, right. you know, a, a two-bedroom apartment. So I think it kind of comes down <clears> to <throat> the minimalist idea, which is the plain basic hoodie is going to be cheaper than the one that you can get at Neiman Marcus. You know, the the <clears throat> basic Levi jean is going to be, you know, is going to be it's going to work. You know, it's going to be cheap. It works, you know, and, and I think that a lot of the stylistic choices that are made today kind of comes from even if you wind up paying high dollar for it, if it's in the fashion world, comes from that place of just the minimalistic basic T-shirt, black, you know, black jeans, black shirt, you know, basic hoodie, you know, the the cheap item that, you know, you're going to need, but it's going to last you. One interesting thing, too, in the 80s was that um, being less than rich became okay right because you know there were movies like you know pretty in pink mm -hmm. where you know she was celebrated because she made the best of what she had yeah. and you know it it was a thing of 
it even became like a lot of the rich kids here in town would slum it mm-hmm. at the milestone well, with still us. Happens in Holland, you know, <laughs> I mean, and, and I mean these, you know, and you know, and Some I came things from never change. The only thing that changed, honey, I think, was the location. Yeah. <laughs> it still happens. But I remember, you know, we'd see these kids at school, you know, wearing their their Izod shirts mm-hmm. and their khakis, and they'd show up at the milestone in a, you know, white t shirt with a band name <laughs> written with a sharpie, you know, trying to blend in and everything and yeah well, i mean but was okay. that such a good or bad thing <laughs> it wasn't a bad thing at all we loved it you yeah. know because they didn't come there like oh we're better than you it was like they realized we had a really awesome thing going on and they yeah. wanted to be a part of it like they'd run the gamut and they'd kind of gotten their fill and they foundered themselves on hanging out with their parents kids at the country club yeah you know and they were like man these kids are having fun they're doing something creative right and we want to be a part of what they're doing you know and and so we were like, it, you know, we, we'd kind of sit back and observe it for about a couple of weekends and be like, okay, <laughs> they're genuine about it. This is cool. Okay. <laughs> I mean, speaking of, I mean, Jeff, of course, you being a nanny scene play and, you know, all throughout the years, mom, I mean, you actually brought a little notebook with you. You, you had shown me it before, but you even had a big hand in trying to get bands <laughs> in town. Just getting them booked, and when we lived in Roanoke, no, uh, in Charlotte between you and Buster, because you. Uh, oh yeah, that lasted a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and to this day, I can't remember who it was that we booked. You'll you'll have to call your dad. And ask him. <laughs> yeah, Buster. Buster was um he was like my best friend at the time. I mean, yeah. we we partied and we had a great time, and you came along, and my priorities changed significantly. But up um, the kid will do it. That's why I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> but um up until the time you came along it was um it was pretty much a party 24/7 um before I came I opened up my memory box I've got a great big huge container and it's filled with old flyers and pictures and I've always been obsessed with planners and there were periods in my life where I kept up with it really well and then other periods where it kind of fell off. But I did happen to notice a really good streak in this one. This one is from 1989 Mm -hmm. and it started out June 89 and Monday GBH played. The following Wednesday, Cro-Mags and Elvis Hitler played. Wow. Um, Chrome X actually of, showed up. Yeah, but <laughs> bunch of various bullshittery in my eyes, of course, aren't that great. So bear with me. Lots of parties here in between. Actually, Elvis Hitler or uh, Chrome X didn't show up. They didn't. It was Elvis Hitler, and uh, I'm thinking it was Wrathchild America. Okay. I don't think Chrome X have ever played Charlotte. <laughs> Yeah, once. <laughs> once. How many shows have they booked? Ten. Recently. Recently. <laughs> I mean, like, like in, in the last uh, few years. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so then we go to July, Wednesday the 5th, Pussy Galore. What um, were they about? How would you describe Pussy, Pussy Galore? Galore uh, they're a New York band, right? Yeah. It's kind of that. It, it's not fair to just say oh noise band but you, right. know, you know people that like stuff like the swans and stuff like that like okay. pussy galore got that it kind of stuff okay july friday july friday the 21st anti-scene gee yeah. wonder who those who's those guys are Whatever. i don't think they're doing anything anymore saturday <laughs> saturday the 29th which is actually one week later danzig and you said it was the 89 uh-huh I'm trying to think of what um, album that might have been MRI show. I think that was some local, was local thing at the time. 
um, No FX Sunday. I can't believe August you actually 13th. saw No FX. She saw them in the house that we used to live in. In the old Morbid Angel house. Really? Old Morbid yeah. Angel house. Then it was the Buzz Oven house. Then it was the Anti-Scene house. Yeah. I'm, I'm still just honestly surprised <clears throat> you went out to that. That feels like that era of punk that you would have been like, this, fuck this shit. Well, this was a particular time where, you know, work was kind of inconsequential it was enough to pay the bills we had like five people living in the house so our bills were yeah, nothing right. all you had to worry about was buying smokes food and beer yeah basically <laughs> so you know it was just a situation of you just went to shows constantly on august and this is still 89 august thursday 17th bad brains and coc where was that one that was at the uh place that uh it 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 was Plymouth's club. What, what the fuck was that club called? Forty eight oh eight. Uh huh. Yeah. There was Park Elevator, forty eight oh eight, and thirteen thirteen. That was at the forty eight oh eight. That was downtown. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then one week later, on August eighty nine, Wednesday the thirtieth, Social D. Damn. Yep. <laughs> was, was that the the show where you got? The record signed and everything? Yeah, that was when I met Mike. Tell, uh, side story, tell that one real quick, because I, I've always thought that story was really cool. Okay, so I knew Social D was coming to town, and this is before, you know, the whole prison bound and, you know, all that. He had just been released from prison, and right. he was touring. He was doing, you know, all the, like, Mommy's Little Monster stuff. And it was, what club was it? Was it, it was the one uptown Forty-eight oh eight. Yeah, it was forty-eight oh eight, and I got out of cosmetology school and ran to Buster's and changed clothes. And I said, "I'm gonna go up and just see if they're like setting up and doing a sound check." And he's yeah. like, "Whatever." So <laughs> I went up there with the album, and the doors were wide open. And I went and sat down at the bar, and you know nobody was working at the bar, but I sat down, and there were just a few people shuffling in and out with equipment. And Mike came in on a skateboard, riding in on a skateboard and stopped and, you know, did the little cock up thing. I'm sure there's a term for it. I don't know what it is. And he was like, Hey, how are you? And I'm like, I'm good. I said, I'd wanted to come in before you got busy and have you sign this album. And he's like, Oh yeah, sure. Of course. So he signed it. And we talked for probably about 30 minutes. And I said, well, I'm gonna let you go. Cause you know, you need to get set up and all. And he's like, okay. So he gave me a hug goodbye. And so I left and then we came in for the show and it was just it was fabulous and <laughs> i remember at that particular point buster and i weren't getting along real well and here's this guy in this band who's like being extra flirty and i'm like okay this is cool and i remember while he was on stage he reached in his pocket and pulled out back then you had hotel room keys yeah with the number on the key right and he kind of pulled it out and went like this and i was like and it said red roof in and i yeah, was yeah, like yeah oh boy (laughs) what does one do because i had in my mind like i don't want to do anything with this guy but i kind of want to see what might happen like like you know i guess it was i guess guys would refer to it maybe as a tease kind of thing but you know i mean i'm like how old was i let's see it was i was 22 maybe Mm -hmm. and so 22 year old drunk thinking goes okay so after the show, I went home. I didn't even think about it again because I lived in Fort Mill with my parents. Right. And when I was driving into cosmetology school the next morning, I had my uniform on and I passed by the red roof because it, oh then it dawned God. on me, there's the red roof. He's right there. 
so I pulled in and I've got my cosmetology uniform on, which yeah. back then you look like a nurse in training. I had like white shoes and the white <laughs> uniform and everything. And I remembered the room number because it was like 27 or something. And yeah. I went and I walked down the hall and the door was open. He's sitting there on the bed in his underwear brushing his teeth. And I'm like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> And he was like, hey, I, I was hoping you'd come last night. And I was like, well, you know, I have school this morning. I needed to get on home. <laughs> and um, he collected antique toys. And he had gotten like a little antique monkey at yeah. some thrift store. And he asked me if I'd mail it to his house because he didn't want to, you know, have it in the van and stuff. And I did. And he gave me a sweet little kiss goodbye. <laughs> and that was it. But it was just pretty cool that, you know, I mean, it's like, oh, my God, Mike Ness is sitting there brushing his teeth. <laughs> But the sad part about it is, is, you know, and then he sent me a postcard thanking me, you know, after he got home from the tour. And soon after that, they got really big. Yeah. And I kind of felt like it wasn't the same. It wasn't that kid that was mm -hmm. playing acoustic on the steps and right. another another state of mind. Yeah. And I just really, I mean, I, I guess I was proud of his success, but to me, it didn't mean the same thing listening to Social Distortion. And plus, there were all those fucking idiots that were <laughs> Social Distortion <laughs> the band. fan base ruined it. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, there are a lot of bands that, you know, I probably would have really enjoyed had I been able to get past the stupidness of what I saw as the fans. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and, they. And fun little uh, side note to the monkey story, though. Didn't you say later on, on the back of the White Light, White Heat, White Trash album, didn't you say that one eventually showed up? Like you're able to point it out and you're like, oh my God, that was the one. Because, you know, he's got a collage. Oh, the picture. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. And yeah, the yeah. CD. Yeah. There was some photo in the CD, and you're like, oh, my God, that was the one. Like, right. it was the one that you helped ship back to him. Oh, and another little interesting note, which at the time I took very seriously, but now, of course, being a grown woman, I realize it was bullshit, and there was probably about 100 women that this was told to. <laughs> but he did that song called She's a Knockout. Yeah. And in that postcard, he wrote on there, I'm working on a song called She's a Knockout, and it's about you. And I was like, and I've still got the postcard with the date and everything. Well, and, you know, is, but I'm like, he until, probably said that to about well, 100 you, women. But at the time, I was just thing, like, though. oh, my God. Well, here's the thing, though. <laughs> until another postcard or another documentation of that comes out. You are officially about that song. It doesn't matter how true, many other, unless other women bring that to the until service. Until <laughs> anyone else has physical <laughs> proof, or until Mike himself goes, "Oh no, it was about so." No, no, no. I did say that to a bunch of people. You have the only proof that that song is about you. So. Okay, so everybody, the song <laughs> "She's a Knockout" by Social Distortion is about Jeff Clayton's wife. There okay, you go. So, so just for the record, if anybody so wants Jeff, proof, hold, put I'll, that in your little pocket. You, you have a guy that has a platinum record singing a song about the girl that you got to marry. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, so put that in your pocket and puff your chest out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but but speaking of of. Uh, you know, guys in bands and having crushes. This this man that's sitting next to me right now, he was always for me the gold standard because before he came along, always like the skinny little punk rock guys or the little Boy, new wave that, guys. No, are the are the new wave guys with the really big hair? And then I saw this man perform at the Wow Hutton Albemarle, and I was like, Oh my God, that is the most ferocious manly <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my life and the band itself the music I'd never heard anything like it and it just it spoke to me on such a deep level I and it changed me there. yeah 
It was, and I, after you finished performing, you were sitting on the floor and you had a towel over your head. I think sitting it was, on the floor? I mean, it was a long time ago. It was like, a, it was, well, I'm sure you were up against the wall and you slid down. <laughs> you had a little support behind you and you had a towel over your head and I kind of leaned down and, you know, kind of touched you on the top of the head with my index finger and you raised it up and you're like, what? <laughs> and I was like, I just want to let you know that was incredible. That was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen or heard in my life. And you're like, thanks. And you pull the towel back. <laughs> but honestly, at, at 17 years old, that was about as much as I could handle at the time because you just, you had such a presence about you. And I was just, I was stunned. We came, we caravaned out that way from, um, from here in Charlotte. I think we were, all going to see misguided youth, which I didn't give two shits about, but there was beer involved and a small road trip, so I was about it. And <laughs> that was the first time I saw you guys. We put on our own shows out in Albemarle because right. we were banned from all the clubs <clears throat> in Charlotte. <laughs> Just from image alone, almost. Just <laughs> be like, these are some scary motherfuckers. Well, they would tear stuff up. <laughs> yeah, that we, sh- we, we did. But it shit. wasn't just you guys; it was your fans too. Because yeah, at our this fans show, did stupid shit too. <laughs> it was at this <laughs> wild damn night. fan bases again. <laughs> <laughs> and they had like you know all. All the tables pushed up against the wall so there was this huge clearing in the center of the floor for everybody but they would slide the tables up towards the center and get on it and jump off and this one guy jumped so high his head hit a fluorescent light and it shattered all over the place so everybody's like running around with fluorescent and then everybody's like oh let's like actually pull them out of the ballast and start breaking them on each other's heads and there was smoke bombs and pre uh, IWA Japanese wrestling too so. and so you know this this girl's like 17 years old and you know this is like the craziest most incredible thing i've ever seen in my life and so it made a huge impression and this one was just so <laughs> sexy and manly i was just like oh my god talking about just first impressions <laughs> of course i had seen you numerous times before then but and because i remember the first conscious memory i have seeing you guys was at tremont when you rode out on the tractor but the moment i really define remembering you if that makes any sense like your personality and who jeff is it was maybe a year or so later at the milestone and we had showed up a little early and you were in the back where the soundboard is in that little side room. Mm-hmm. You were over there. I, you know exactly what it is because you still bring it up too. I pointed at him, by the way. There's no visual for this. <laughs> and we walk around the corner and you're sitting there with all these fluorescent light bulbs and duct tape. <laughs> and you're just <laughs> taping all these bulbs together. And we left you alone for a minute. And eventually mom was like, all right, well, let's go say hey to him. We walk over there and she goes, what? Hey, what What are you doing? And you just look up and go, can't a man make a fluorescent cross without people asking a million and one questions? Because <laughs> <laughs> it was for my God can beat up you, your God. You had some plywood and you were duct taping fluorescent light bulbs to it. So at the end of the song, you could basically have it fall straight down and make we this really cool. Was that in the milestone? Yeah, it was I at the milestone. You, I thought you were making a pitchfork, a fluorescent Fluorescent light pitchfork, bulb pitchfork, that's what it was. Yeah. Because there, there was one that was shaped in a U mm-hmm. and you were having to duct tape and figure out how to... <laughs> Can a man make a fluorescent light bulb pitchfork without people coming up and bothering? That's what it was. Yes, I, I remember once I made uh, 
I made light bulb nunchucks. No. <laughs> hey. How long did that last? Not very. <laughs> and and speaking of the old days when you guys would play the church and musical awareness, mm. um, there was like nothing in the room, and so somebody I don't know who got like a, a meat hook and hung it from the center of the ceiling. And so it was this huge hook that you would, you know, put like the carcass of a cow on. Right. Well, we used it as a swing. We'd put our feet on it and somebody would swing and you'd just go all the way around the room and everybody's pushing you. Yeah. And they were throwing out like chicken livers and <laughs> that place stunk to high Big heaven. Feet. And so needless to say, you know, there was this huge pit going on in mm-hmm. this place and somebody's swinging around in the center of the room on a meat hook and there's chicken liver on the floor and you're still <laughs> in it and slipping and busting your ass you know and you'd get up on people's shoulders and chicken fight you know right. and cars would like park parallel all up and down that building because there was parking and we'd get so messed up because we'd bring beer and drink in the car and we would run across all the hoods of the mm-hmm. cars and there was a shopping cart that was in the parking <laughs> lot and we'd have shopping cart races with people in them and then dump them out in mud puddles <laughs> we had such a good time but you know back then this, you- this was the building that used to be a, uh, it was on the same side of the road as but across that side street of the milestone, oh, all those and it buildings was a are gone now. It was, and it was, he and, and Joe it was a took church, it. and then it eventually turned back into a church. Well, damn. But, <laughs> but yeah, that's where we brought Gigi Allen for the first time, and and Joe and I ran it. And that's where we really kind of sealed our fate with Bill Flowers. <laughs> yes, and I showed up to that and was turned away at the door by Joe Young. He did not allow me to come in. <laughs> <laughs> See, I couldn't remember if it was Joe or Jeff Young, but I remember you telling me that they were like, no, no, Jeff no. Wasn't he wasn't there. Yeah, Joe was taking money at the door, and I'm like standing there with my five dollars. I think <laughs> it was. Joe which was, was taking money outside the door. I'll go ahead and expose that whole gimmick right now. This is what we did. <laughs> and if anyone tells Bill Flowers, I hope he knows because <laughs> what's he gonna do now? <laughs> what we did was we made an identical stamp, uh-huh. just like the one the woman that he had run the door uh-huh. used. We made an identical one. We got the same color ink pad. And, you know, Bill Flowers was sending this woman over there to run the door, and she was instructed how much to take off the skim and leave us with X amount to pay these bands or sometimes not pay these bands. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so we decided, well, we're not going to let Bill mess up this with Gigi Allen. You mm-hmm. know? I mean, I don't know if we thought we'd bring him back or what, but we, we wanted... If we promised him, I, man, I think it was something like 250 bucks. Right. But if we promised him that, he was going to get it. Right. So Joe would tell, he'd be out there in the parking lot. I'm in the club the whole time making, you know, with the PA and. and uh, Keeping everything corralled. Yeah, trying to be <laughs> stage. <laughs> but Joe would tell people, okay, you go ahead and pay at the door. Yeah. You know, two or three people pay and mm-hmm. get the stamp. The next four or five, Joe would take their money, uh, stamp them, until we got the money we had to have. Then mm-hmm. the rest of them could pay to get in. But it would be you know a few a few pay the door, a few pay Joe. Right. And we got the money to pay Gigi, and we paid the the primates and the uh, New York Sheiks. And uh, I thought you were just referring to the people that ran the church as primates. No. <laughs> We paid the primates and they <laughs> they divvied up the money. <laughs> I will never forget. Joe left a uh, 
a thing on his um, answering machine. Uh-huh. You know, B Pad, this is Joe. Uh just wanna say that Gigi Allen came to town and and ruled the city or something like that <laughs> and blah blah blah. And have you know, if you have a message, leave it at the beep. Beep. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is Bill Flowers, and I just want to say that Gigi Allen came to town and raided my billfold. What happened? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> that, I, wish, I wish there was some recording of that because that would actually God make... Almighty, I would love to have that. Especially with Joe's intro and then Bill's <laughs> response. Yeah. That would be a great intro to a song or a record or anything. We didn't anything. think to keep shit like that, you know? Oh, that would have been so good. <laughs> It would have been perfect. Oh my god! Especially for a song like GGPHD, and mm. if you'd smack that at the beginning of it, God, <laughs> man, it's talking about just the gimmicks and stuff. The only gimmick I can think of that you ever told me that you're like, I did that once, and I'm never doing it again, had to do a flower. Uh. <laughs> Sorry, you are now witness to the chair that everyone bitches about. Great, so you put your elderly mother in a fucked up chair. That's some good son behavior. Well, I was expecting you to grab it by the back and give it hell. <laughs> But no, you were saying that uh, you'd got a bag of flour and basically ripped it open. And then, like, by the end of the song... The whole thing was, I'm going to rip this bag of flour open, dump it on me. I'm going to be like this dusty... Everywhere I move, this dust goes flying. You know, this ghost-looking, yeti-looking thing. Were you sweaty? I don't know who y'all was, but that ain't what happened. (laughs) Joe's girlfriend at the time, Lisa Butler... Yeah took this damn bucket of water and just doused me with it. Oh, my God. So now I'm covered in paste. (laughs) Oh, my God. I bet you were digging flour out of your ears for weeks. My ears, my hair, my boots. Man, the people that that had to clean up the the armory Mm. in Hickory. It was, no, it was was Newton. I think it was the Newton armory. Uh, God, they were mad. So they, they were there with like little ice scrapers. Yeah, once that stuff dries, it's like cement. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame them. I'd have been pissed too, but I, I think I was. Hey, but it made a great memory and a great story. So <laughs> fuck those guys. I definitely. I don't, I don't think I've seen I any photos of that. Idea. I don't think I've seen pasty Clayton did photos. You see, did, did you see the TKO reissue of Honor Among Thieves that came out on CD? On CD. Yeah. <clears throat> There's, no. there's some in it. Okay. Of that. I'll look that up then. It was crazy. And man, just kind of thinking back on, um, you know, you were saying stuff that maybe frightened you or, you know, what have you or stuff that um, eventually got approval, you know, you've just kind of kept throughout the years. I definitely blame you for my love of Kiss. And we kind of had this argument a little this while is back. All, this is all her fault, people. All her if you fault. Want, if you want to blame it somebody... Is. Rebecca Clayton. Well, actually, <laughs> it, it, it goes back a little further because I've got to uh, give you guys a little bit of history as give far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was in the third grade and we had to move around quite a bit. And there was one particular period where we had to go stay with my aunt and uncle at their house in Atlanta because we were moving to Oklahoma City. And they had a basement. And my aunt's husband had two sons. And they weren't any blood relation. So 
And they were both teenage boys. So, of course, the adults in the family were a little nervous about two teenage boys mm-hmm. with me because I was I, I did not look my age. I, I was the same height they am now. So they went to great lengths to make sure that any time I was around those guys, it was closely monitored. Right. Those guys didn't give me the time of day, which was kind of disappointing because they were really cool and wore band T-shirts. And I was very <laughs> interested in, you know, what they had going on. Well, one time I was left unsupervised and I went down to the basement, which oh. I was not allowed to go down to because the boys were gone they were taking a walk around the block in retrospect i know they were smoking pot because i went down (laughs) to the basement and there were bongs down there and there was a cooler with beer and whatever quickly discovered why i wasn't allowed down there but there was a poster a velvet poster of kiss on the wall Mm -hmm. and there was a black light down there and i remember first off being in a forbidden room and looking up and seeing that kiss poster and thinking oh my god that's terrifying can't quit looking at it (laughs) and so at that point i started noticing you know kiss magazines and you know convenience stores and things like that and i talked to guy friends at school and asked them hey do you know about this band called kiss oh yeah big fan big fan and so i started having i was in the third grade i was born in 68 so somebody that can do basic math not me you should know that by now. <laughs> <laughs> Got that from me. I'm sorry. How old would you have been? Third grade is six, usually eight. Not Unless eight. You were born in 68. It wasn't quite 78. It'd have been seventy six. And so over the years, I would have you know friends make me cassette tapes, and eventually, um, the solo albums came out. And that year for Christmas, I asked my mom if I could have the Ace Frehley solo album, and she said yeah. And so at that point, I started collecting a lot of Kiss stuff, Mm -hmm. and eventually it got to the point where all the posters in my room, nothing but Kiss, Kiss trash cans, Kiss notebooks, Mm -hmm. the you know Seven Eleven cups, the whole nine yards. I had you know the dolls figures whatever okay yeah and and one night um kiss was being interviewed on 2020 mm-hmm. and i was like yes and so my parents always watched 2020 regardless of what was on it and they their hackles had already been somewhat raised because you know here's here's their daughter you know with the room full of kiss stuff and back then kiss was kind of scary and dangerous right. kind of like alice cooper was still in their eyes you know I meaning their personal identities hadn't been shown yet they, exactly they didn't know what they looked like exactly the they were merely their characters you know it, it wasn't paul fraley it was ace fraley yeah you know it wasn't Heimwitz, it was Gene Simmons. <laughs> so they come on 2020, and they're being interviewed in character. And Gene was being especially demonic. Ace was high off his ass. <laughs> and Peter was drunk, and Paul was being, overtly you know, sexual. overtly <laughs> sexual to the point of looking gay. And back then, gay wasn't all that acceptable. So here I am laying on the floor, and I'm enjoying it, but thinking, oh boy i hope this doesn't get me in trouble because you know here here it's all laid out yeah here it's all laid out so every single aspect of this was just like vomit worthy in my parents eyes you know and they got this by the end of it they were in a fit of rage (laughs) and i'm laying on the floor going oh my god i'm 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 in trouble because of a television show And my dad like stands up and he's like, I'll be goddamn if any daughter of mine is going to be a fan of something so satanic and bad. Ah!" 
I, you know, and my mom's like screaming and I'm thinking, this looks kind of satanic to me, their response to this, but okay. So they go in my room and start ripping down posters and throwing things in the fireplace along with a few of the vinyl, all of the cassettes, the dolls, the whole nine yards, the trash cans got stomped and jumped on and, and it was to say it was traumatic i i I think i suffered post-traumatic stress (laughs) syndrome over that because you know this band was such an escape it was such a precious dear love to me and it was something i felt like belonged to me because the only other people that liked it in my life were just a couple of little guys i went to school with right you know and i turned the girls on in my neighborhood to kiss and they're still kiss fans now (laughs) thankfully but that's that's how my kiss thing started and i often wonder if it would have had such a lasting effect in my life and in my heart had my parents not destroyed it in right. such a dramatic way. I don't think so because you nurtured it for me. You you made me quit for a I, little bit. I tried to get keep you away from it though for a long time. Because and I was you, just obsessed with it. Yeah, but you I remember we were living in the house in Gaffney and they were on TV and mm-hmm. they did a performance and you walked in and I turned it off real quick and you were like, What's that? And I was like, nothing. Because I had a feeling that it was going to grab you like yeah. it did me. And I didn't want it to like run your life like it did mine, <laughs> you know? And because you were already addicted to, you know, Batman and Star Wars. Spider-Man. And I was like, yeah. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> so I turned it back on and you were like, I like that. Have you got some of that? <laughs> You're like, oh, little do you know. <laughs> yeah, that was that was kind of a big pivotal moment in your life. Just like when we lived in the trailer in Gaffney, and we had a school bus in the backyard we used for storage, y'all. Mm-hmm. And in that, I had a great big trunk, and in that trunk contained, you know, I made reference to my my memory box that I went through before I came. That's just a kind of solidated version. But I had my leather jacket in there and photo albums and everything of all the people from my past and. You remember you were having a real tough time in school because you were like, well, I'm not like a redneck. I don't like like country music. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was the typical small town kind of, you know, Mentality. and you just you felt like you wanted to fit, but you didn't know how, but you didn't really know what that meant either. And you just felt kind of lost. Yeah. And I said, you know, well, let's go out to the to the school bus. I want to show you something. And I opened up that trunk and, you know, I showed you the leather jacket and the photo oh, album. And, yep. yeah, and it was. And, and then just a few weeks after that was the first time that I took you to see anti-scene. You were old enough to really right. remember. And so that's kind of when a light bulb went off and you're like, I got to have a guitar. <laughs> you know, th- this is this is what I'm attracted to. This is what feels right for me. Right. So, you know, yeah. But anyway, so, no, no, I, I went I down think, a rabbit hole no, there. I sorry. That. No, that, you actually hit a few spots on there I wanted you to hit on anyway to give justification for a game we're about to play. Okay. It's a kiss game. Now, I've posed this question to Facebook before and everyone had a nice little battle and I know where you guys stand on it because we've talked about it, but I think we ought to go about this a little bit of a different way. Mm. You said your first album was the Ace Frehley solo album. The first first actual actual LP that I owned, yes. And you would say that's probably your favorite of the four solo albums. Oh, undoubtedly. And in the KISS community, it's always the Ace and Paul albums that are neck and neck. And we've discussed which one is better. And I know what you guys think. You guys know what I think. But I think a better way of us instead of just going, no, 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 because this, that, and the other, blah, 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 blah. Let's do a game where we 1v1 it. We go through each track. 
first track versus first track, second track versus second track, and find a definitive answer depending on what you guys pick and why, tally up the numbers, and see among the three of us who actually does win out. And okay. we'll actually have a true answer because there's three people, so it won't just How come out as a tie. How are you going to keep track of this? It requires I've, numbers. I got my phone right here. It's okay. fine. <laughs> I was like, oh I've shit, already, we got to count something. No, 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 no. I've already got Spotify pulled up of both of those because it's nine tracks each. Okay, So yeah. it's going to be a true 1v1 on each. But you know, that's going to be a tough comparison because Ace's album rocked, whereas Paul's was more of like the romantic panty peeler. But see, you know? But I think we ought to look at this from musicianship. From songwriting. Okay, I suck at the musicianship. I go by purely by feel. But that is musicianship. Not always. But but listen, there, there is a slight problem. Okay. I'm not one of those that thinks it was Ace and Paul's albums. <laughs> oh, God. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> are you I, Are you a Gene supporter or a Peter yes, supporter? Gene supporter. Really? Well, yes. throw, can you throw Gene in the mix? No, this is a twofer. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're doing these two. We'll, well, come, go, we'll ahead go, okay, go ahead and go right. with it. Go ahead and go with it. We'll do this. We'll do this. Whoever winds up winning, when you guys come back, because you guys are going to come back, okay. we'll throw Gene's in the mix for whoever winds up being the winner on this, just okay. to see if Gene's even has a fucking chance. <laughs> but first things first. Because in retrospect, I really do like Gene's, but at the time, I didn't. But but see, with me, I didn't like Peter's. Right. But... <laughs> Well, I yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> At the time, I didn't like Peter's. But as but I've gotten now, older, I've really gotten a taste of Peter's. He's changed his mind but, but about I really Peter's. Like Peter's now. <laughs> now, um, at the time, I didn't care much for Peter Chris's solo album. <laughs> but over time, I found an appreciation for it. <laughs> but Russ keeps telling me, man, with all the stuff you listen to now, he goes, I think if you would give. Give that album another. Ah, I, 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 I think if you give that album another, another chance, you would find you have an appreciation for it now. Right. And I did see a version, which I guess was what he called his last show, mm -hmm. and he was playing live somewhere. Yeah, I've seen that. And one. he did uh, that song, "You Matter to Me." Yeah. And I thought it was awesome. I, I think like, I think there's some great. fun stuff on there. Like uh, on the Dynasty tour, they played tossing and turning, yeah, and I, I thought that, that sounded cool. Mm -hmm. So no. I I got one quick thing to do because I know that? you're like chomping at the bit no, to do it's this. Fine. Okay, so being a kid, solo albums come out. Radio stations took requests. Right. It was great. I thought it was a lot of times the only way you could hear part of albums is you know you'd have to call and request a song on an album, not just one of the hits or the you know major releases. So I'm in the car, parents in the front, and they would turn the stereo where you could only hear it in the back speakers. And I would sit up because back then you didn't have a seatbelt. I'd sit up and lay my ear on the speaker in the back of the car. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And the DJ said, Jeff, burping like that. And the DJ <laughs> said, he said, and up next, a cut off of Peter Chris's solo album. And I was like, yes, you know, because I'd already had aces. A friend uh -huh. of mine had Paul, <clears throat> I heard, heard, had not heard anything from Peter's. So, and then the next song they played, Hold the Line by Toto. And I'd never paid that song any attention or noticed it so i'm going god this is great and it's actually toto <laughs> and i told him that story one day and i'm like because hold, hold the line came on the radio and i'm like that's my favorite song on peter chris's solo album and he looked at me like what the fuck and i told him the story that like and i thought that until i got and i'm listening to peter chris's solo album going that's where's that song here. hold the line <laughs> 
what was your mistaken song that you could have sworn was by Alice Cooper? Was Man, that what it was? This is 73. And uh, actually, it may have been 74. Um, Alice had a song in the top 40. It was called a Teenage Lament 74. Right. And, um, and you know, and this is when I was just getting on the Alice Cooper bus, man. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you know, probably since 73. And also, that was play- that was being played on the radio at that time was uh, Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo ah. by Rick Derringer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I loved that song so much. I refused to believe it was by anyone <laughs> other than Alice Cooper. <laughs> Only Alice could write a song this good. Only Alice rocking songs like that. <laughs> Stupid ass. I, I loved Kiss so much that when Unmasked came out and then um, The Elder came out, I didn't like it. I felt like something was wrong with me. <laughs> because everything that Kiss had done up until that point, I loved so much that when those two albums came out, and of course, you know, Unmasked, there's some cuts off there that are really good, you know. But for the most part, it, it kind of sucked. It didn't yeah. meet expectations, especially make, after and Dynasty. You could turn the Elder into an EP. <laughs> right. Especially after Dynasty, because I loved and still love every single solitary song off Dynasty. And I realized that's, you know, heresy for a lot of Kiss fans. But you got to remember, too, I was a young girl and I loved disco. No, not at and all. So, I think there's some fantastic stuff. I, I honestly think the solo albums and Dynasty is probably the most New York Kiss had sounded since Dress to Kill. That's true, because of the New York vibe with Studio 51. So when when those other two subsequent albums came out, I really thought 54. something. Yeah. I really thought something was wrong with me because I didn't like them. Your taste had changed. You yeah. abandoned them. They yeah. didn't abandon you. Exactly. Like it was it was Kiss. How could well, I not like it? Right. You know? Well, quickly, as far as the elder, in my opinion, Kiss should have recorded the entire thing on Fridays and released that. Oh yeah. And that's why I said you could turn it into an EP. There's like five songs off that record that if you redid it just that tiny bit and like you said, did it on the live uh Fridays thing, it would have been because hell, I like I. It's dumb. The yeah. lyrics are dumb, but it's a good song. Yeah, it is. Same thing with uh The Oath, even though you got Paul doing his own but see like when when you're waiting when you're waiting for that kiss release mm. you know you're you're at that particular period in your life and you're waiting for that release and that's what you get right it's like a slap in the face you know you can listen to it as an adult and really appreciate it right and in your generation it was all already released mm-hmm. and so it was already you can part go, of everything okay well this was a progression this was where they are at the time but when you're waiting on that release and that's, and that's what you get thing yeah you're like what the fuck? well man well man like check this out i'll be quick because because i know you want to play the game oh you're good i'm <laughs> but, just making uh, sure my phone doesn't go black that's all but um i had a hard enough time getting into dynasty at first mm. because of i was made for loving you really but later i let that slide and i realized i loved every song on that record i think i think paul's songs are great mm-hmm. ace's songs are fantastic mm-hmm. oh, and yeah. i think they yes. don't get the the recognition that that they should sometimes. save your love is a fantastic one yeah, and that's fun, fantastic. fun fact the only kiss song that's an ace and paul shared vocal 
No wonder it's so good. Because yeah. Paul does the low octave, save yeah. your love, save it, save mm-hmm. it. And then Ace does his little, you know, kind of, you know, on top yeah. of it. But that's the only song that just features the two of but, them. But actually what it all boiled down to is I don't like any of Gene's songs on that record. Really? Don't like you don't charisma. like Charisma? I don't like X-Ray Eyes. See, is I've a, got a version of X-Ray Eyes I think you'd like. Yeah, but see, one along on that record. It ain't but, on that record. It's but, on the vault. But listen, when Unmasked came out, mm-hmm. I was still on board. <laughs> Until that day. <laughs> and let me tell you why. I don't know why, but I didn't either have access to a car... But I don't know what reason it was, but me and my friend Pat Smith walked five miles. In the snow, uphill. In the snow, uphill. (laughs) Both directions. Barefoot. (laughs) Broken glass all over the place. Um, We walked to Kmart Mm -hmm. on Highway 52 in Albemarle. Walked right in there, bought it, paid for it, walked five miles back. You are invested. Yes. (laughs) Man, this... Took some effort. This better sound like Ace's solo album with Gene singing. You, know? <laughs> you, you didn't wake up and get a little notification from Spotify going, "Oh, the uh, the new album's out." <laughs> I think I'll take a listen. And then yeah. we put it on, and I was just like going, "Hmm." <laughs> but you didn't songs. think something was wrong with you because you didn't no, like it. Nothing's wrong with me. It's like it's something's wrong with them. Something. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff was not having it. He was not taking blame for this one. <laughs> I can listen to the other shit and know this is wrong. I still like the other stuff. This is bad. But man, but man, the, the same thing happened to me a few years later in a different sense. I had just gotten a uh, car, mm-hmm. not been driving very long, I don't think. And I found out that the Music Mart in Concord had just gotten in copies of... Uh, Sandinista by The Clash. Oh, okay. Me and my friend Pat Smith again. <laughs> this time we're in a we're in a beige Chevette. Mm-hmm. Go to Concord. Right. By the time we get just outside of Concord, man, it was a blizzard. Oh my god! I've never driven in snow in my life. <laughs> my mom was convinced that we were dead. <laughs> no cell phones back then. To get home. Yeah, right. it's not like you could call home and go. But hey, we got, we got there. We got the. <clears throat> <clears throat> you know, you know, and, I, and I'm thinking some of London Calling took me a little bit. You mm-hmm. know? Why are they doing different kinds of music? <laughs> but then I, I, I got to where I appreciated that. Right. But then I'm like, man, this is three albums. This is going to be like, give them enough rope. Three times! <laughs> man, I put it on and I'm like, you know, I get home hours later and I'm just like, Scared to death because I mean, you know, cars going all over the road. Uh, having to go nerves to like are shot. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I put this on, man. This is going to be great. And I'm just like, hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. I risked my you life know, for this. I get like an album and a half way to, oh, okay, here's one, here's one. <laughs> <laughs> You're just desperately trying to find a hook or something that you like. Yeah, like, like I like I like the chorus of this <laughs> one. <laughs> and I, I don't know about you guys, but even at my age, like, you know, there's there's entire libraries of songs that I, I listen to, but occasionally there'll be a song that you'll hear again and you'll be like, God, I love that. Oh my God. And I'll listen to it like 10 times in uh-huh. a row. 
Oh yeah. Oh like yeah. Like that little kid thing of wanting to hear the same song mm-hmm. over again, and over. Again, again. Yeah. <laughs> again. Again. And it'll be a song that I loved in the past, mm-hmm. but it'll just hit you a certain way. And I'll come to him with it. And I'm like, man, you know, listen, God, just listen to it again. You know? Oh no. If, if a band come, puts out an album or a single or like a two song EP that I love, I will literally listen to those two songs for hours. Okay, good. No, you pass that on to me. Like, a band put out two songs just even a few months ago. And you know, and I loved both of them to death. And all day work, like just pulling parts, like just monotonous work, just listening to those two songs over and over, basically learning the lyrics in my head already, just going, uh-huh. I can't get enough of this. This this hits so many marks of what yeah. I love in a song. This is a fantastic EP. Oh, my God. And when you <laughs> listen to cassettes, that was quite the challenge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 but see, I understand that because I actually, I find it fortunate that I actually still grew up in the era of cassette tapes. I enjoyed mm-hmm. cassette tapes, and that's why we released one <laughs> because yeah. I enjoy that. They are fun. <laughs> I enjoyed taking the CDs that you had and making mixtapes off them. <laughs> yep, the mixtape and the mix CD was a great thing. And now the mixtape means a rap compilation album. Yeah, <laughs> totally different meaning. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get on with this game. So, first up, first tracks is Rip It Out and Tonight You Belong to Me. Tonight You Belong to Me. Rip It Out. Okay. So, why, why just go start with you. Why, why do you feel Tonight versus Rip It? Well, I mean, I like Rip It, but Tonight You Belong to Me is just, you know, it's a chick perspective. Paul's singing a romantic song. Right. You know, just for a chick, that's that's a cool thing. Jeff. For Ace, man, <laughs> what what better way to open that album? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it did come out. Blistering. Yeah, let, let's actually kind of look at this as album openers. Mm-hmm. Uh, come kind of comparing the two. So, Paul, you've got. Um, some melodic kind of guitar work, and then it busts in with you know the distortion that. Mm-hmm. It was the romantic intensity as a young woman that I was like, oh. But then I with love Aces, it. he just comes straight out of the gate with that snare pop, boom, bang, yeah. and then big, big open chords, traditional Ace, and that little breakdown in the middle with the mm-hmm. solo with and, Anton on drums. And in in my opinion, it was one of the better songs that. Ace ever did. I will. I mean, I'll agree with you on that. Even ones he did while in. Oh, I mean, he was in Kiss when he did these. But I mean, the ones he did like Shock Me and Rocket Ride, mm-hmm. which are you know also. Rocket Ride to me is very underrated. That doesn't mm-hmm. get nearly yeah, as much love. Yeah, that song fantastic. Mm-hmm. And but uh, but yeah. Yeah, and see, mm-hmm. and that one's always been the tough one for me. And honestly, this is going to be the hardest one for me. You move your phone just a little bit. Um. This is going to be the hardest one for me because I'm looking at it from the album opener because all my favorite Kiss albums have the good opener. Like my favorite mm-hmm. one is Love Gun. Mm-hmm. To me, I yeah, Stole Your Stole Love, your love. Yeah. is one of the best album openers. And yeah, one of the, it's Paul's like being shot songs. out of a cannon. It's just great. I, I don't know. I, I almost just kind of have to go with Paul on that one only because I like the way it built better. Mm-hmm. I think Ace is a, necessarily a stronger song probably and it's more aggressive and fun, but I think the way Paul's works as an album opener mm-hmm. I, almost, I, I think I may just have to go with that one. So after that we've got Speeding Back to My Baby versus Move On. Move mm. on. Uh, both, see, and this is where it, it will get a little difficult is because both of those I feel are fun upbeat songs. Paul's, uh, you've got the background melodies, of, it sounds like the black chorus of the Move On but then Aces, that's such a killer guitar riff and catchy as shit also. I liked it 
especially when I found out that Jeanette was singing mm-hmm. back up. Oh, that's something else that song shares, female backing vocals. Mm-hmm. They're both fun, upbeat mm-hmm. songs. Paul almost has like a 60s Chuck Berry kind of, a hammer-on kind of mm-hmm. vibe to his guitar work. Aces is very melodic, but mm-hmm. still kind of has that I'd, swing to it. Yeah, I'd have to go speeding back. I mean, if I really, you know, I mean, but it, it's mm-hmm. a tough one. What would you say? I'm going with move on on that one. <laughs> Damn, move I was because, because man, I love the song "Speeding Back to My Baby," but I think it is, uh, it may be my least favorite on the album. Really? Maybe. It's been See, a long time since I've listened to the whole album. I know, I know. This "Speeding Back" definitely wouldn't be my least favorite. But the only th- uh, you you saying that made me think on thing. Think the only thing that may wind up putting it down a notch in my head is the repetitiveness of it, mm-hmm. because it is a good guitar riff. But he does lean heavy on that mm-hmm. for everything, mm-hmm. and the chorus repeats a lot. Mm-hmm. Whereas it feels like maybe in Move On, even though it repeats a lot, there's a little bit of a breakup because of the way the chorus works. It's mm-hmm. just Move On instead of Speeding Back to My Baby. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean maybe speeding back to my mm-hmm. it, it's that over and over where with the move ons you've got room in the background for the background vocalist to then you got to move out you know yeah. <laughs> whatever they're doing I don't know I, I, uh, that that one's gonna be hard for me even yeah. though I set this up uh, honestly it, I, I would probably have to wind up going with move on also only because just the repetitiveness mm-hmm. almost is just kind of what's going to wind up getting to me on that. So after that, we've got um, Snowblind and then Ain't Quite Right. Snowblind. Now, now to me, the both of those are my least favorites on both records is Ain't Quite Right and Snowblind. Ain't Quite Right's kind of good, even though I like Snowblind better. Ain't Quite Right is just kind of, you know... It's almost as if it's like a Sunday night song. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you what I mean by that. So like it almost like in my mind at the time would tell a story like he's seen this girl all weekend. Mm-hmm. And then by Sunday night, they've parted ways. And it's like he just feels like, you know, it just ain't quite right. Yeah. You know, and it's just got that kind of slow sadness like a Sunday night has. Okay. That's what the songs always kind of said to me. Whereas right. Snowblind... I think musically it's really interesting. Right. You know what I mean? Let's make sure I'm thinking of which. Okay. No, okay. No, I wouldn't think. Yeah. Snowblind. That, that one does get just a little bit repetitive on me. I think that's maybe the one issue I have with Aces. A lot of Aces songs are very repetitive. Mm-hmm. though. It, it's like they're great guitar riffs. They're mm-hmm. catchy riffs. They're great songs. But, but, but the, the repetitiveness. But the thing is, is the me. repetitiveness of songs can be viewed, in my opinion, as, as a negative, kind of like it is for you because you're a musician. Right. But for a fan, when they're really into the groove, it's almost like a trance thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You're just, your head, you know how certain music just makes your head feel so good? Yeah, yeah. You almost don't notice the fact the song is just repeating itself to death. No, that makes sense. Yeah. So out of those two, which one would you pick? Mom. Probably Snowblonde. Snowblonde? Yeah. What would you say, Joe? Snowblonde. Probably the same reasons, too. Yeah. Does repetition get on you, or do you kind of get into the whole... If if it's a good repetition, I like it. If if it's something that kind of like the whole baby and don't mean maybe... 
kind of gets on my nerves a little bit. Right. But the Snowblind stuff. Because it, it, it's kind of a trancey song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of... Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and I think that's also what I enjoy about, it. and maybe what I enjoy about tonight. You belong to me. Is it feels like with Ozone, he kind of I mean, uh, Snowblind rather, he builds it up a little bit more. As you've got mm-hmm. that slow little burning, 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 but then it kicks into that. Bam, 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 yes, bam, and that part and that of it feels so, so good. I love that tempo of song. That's, yeah, that's my favorite kind of tempo. Is it that mm-hmm. mid tempo? Mm-hmm. Powerful. And plus, mm-hmm. I like how. Uh, talking about tempos in that song, uh, the solo yeah, is almost twice speed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it kicks back down to the slow, and then it ends by getting slower and slower and slower until the final note. Did you prepare your audience for the fact that this is like the ultimate kiss geek out fest ever? This is 35 this is like episodes the in. The worst if they I haven't think figured you've it had out. so far. We've had plenty of conversation <laughs> beforehand. That's why I wanted to do this a little later Yeah, but on. the minutia of this may be painful to somebody that doesn't love kids. <laughs> there's this lovely thing called a fast-forward button, and there's this other thing called a pause button. Yeah, but it's there's also this other feelings. thing is like the whole, like, I can't look away from the train wreck. I can't quit listening. I don't know what kind of ridiculous shit they're going to say next. Good. That means we're doing our job. <laughs> okay, what's the next one, if, babe? If, if people are still listening to us and don't care what we're talking about, that means we're doing our job true. very true <laughs> so after that we've got ozone and wouldn't you like to know me mm. okay so ozone always kind of upset me as a little girl because it's about getting high mm-hmm. and he's like encouraging her to get high too right. don't you want to try you know and and when you're in grade school you're warned oh, don't do don't, drugs yeah don't let somebody pressure you into you know peer pressure and there he was talking about it and it made me feel kind of sick as a young girl but i really loved the song but what was the other one compared to wouldn't you like to know me I would have to pick that one. Yeah. I mean, as an adult, they're kind of equal, but mm-hmm. as a kid, old, yeah, that <laughs> bothered me. This is tough for me, but uh, because I like both of those songs probably about the same. Right. But I might have to lean more toward Ozone. Okay. Because the Wouldn't You Like to Know Me is a little bit more pop mm-hmm. than I normally like. Right, right. You know, for that to be. But that. That that ozone song, it's another one that's kind of uh, what, what did you say a minute ago? How did you describe kind of snowblind? Hypnotic sort of, yeah, yeah. You know, and I don't know. It could have been. It, I don't know. It could have been a Sabbath song if it slowed down. A what more I, or what something. I thought was kind of cool about Ace's solo album is he was so heavily into drugs, and of course, as a kid, I'd never done drugs, but I felt like it was giving me his experience, mm-hmm. like the way that some of those songs sounded. Did you kind of yeah, get but, that from you, it? You know what? Though I didn't even think of things in that way. When I was thinking of ozone, I was thinking of ozone layer, right? The spaceman, <laughs> well, see, he's I mean, like all over the place. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I felt like he was talking about drugs, right? He probably, and, well, he probably was. Yeah, I like getting high. Like getting high. <laughs> but that could be a spaceman thing, like it high is. in the sky. Like Rocket Ride was yeah. totally not about sex. That was not about a wiener <laughs> stick. No. <laughs> No, I would also have to go with uh, What Did You Like to Know Me? And I think for the main reason being for the Ace song, it 
it it's literally the most repetitive and monotonous song on there. It's it's the same and then I love that about it. That to me I don't like. Wouldn't You Like to Know Me is in my top three favorite Paul songs. Mm-hmm. I think everything from that song, from the chord progressions to the acoustic that's in the background backing it up to the tone on his guitar, everything about that song to me is like definitive Paul Stanley. What I love about it is he sounds like a fussy queen. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I love about I Stole Your you know, Love. I always it's like you can to just see him like, with his hands on his hips. Just, I stole your love but I'm not your fool. Yeah, like the fussy queen thing. It's great. I love it. And that's the reason I love I, I Stole Your Love. It's oh, that, yeah. that line of, I'm something different, ain't like the rest. How does mm-hmm. it feel? Found out your failure. Your test. That is like the ultimate like sassy Paul. Uh-huh. And it's, that to me is like the Paul stand. That's the star child. That's right. the preacher on stage. And that to me, that's that's what I really enjoy that on that one. fussy ego. <laughs> God, talking about fussy ego, read his fucking book. All right. After that, we've got... It was whiny as hell. Oddly inspirational, though, because yeah. I related to a lot in it. Yeah, but still, it seemed like he whined about a lot of... He was very whiny, but again, coming from a musician, I understood his whine a good bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after that, we've got What's on Your Mind versus Take Me Away Together as One. Oh, Take Me to take me Away. That was... Ver- so, versus What's on Your Mind. Yeah, because Take Me Away, I have like... And I don't know if you'll have a mental picture of this in your head or not. You tell me if you do. There was a particular look and feel to certain cards in the 70s, love cards that you would give somebody Mm -hmm. that you were dating or married to. And it was like the stereotypical 70s love, naked on the beach kind of you know feel to it you know and this of course is a kid's perspective but that was kind of like the (laughs) mental with the sunset in the back Uh yeah Yeah. almost almost teetering on the edge of being a weenie song right you know like we talked about some of the 70s love songs you know like even women listen to it and go oh god grow us grow a pair that's gross like sometimes when we touch barf right when you said that that's some yeah i I was like man how could that man ever wrote that song (laughs) he must have been desperate for some puss to have written that but i mean you know but that 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 whole song it, it, it kind of borderlines on a on a weenie song but it's borderlines still like, not yeah quite. It, it's, it's still good and i really i liked it i mean it's kind of horrible now listening to it because it's super dated but you know but that's your favorite yeah i guess what's on your mind Mine's for you. what's yeah, on your yeah, mind yeah. that's one of the perfect uh uh it, it's it's a pop song but not mm-hmm. not saccharine sweet Right. Like something we just talked about. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. I really like that song. Matter of fact, my brother's band, The Feeds, covers that song. Now. Really? And, you know, they're like a alternative rock. I hate that term. I don't know what to say. It's just pretty broad. Yeah, it's broad as hell. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like that Chapel Hill sound. Yeah. And, and, and to me, for a band like them to cover that was completely... A completely natural move, and mm-hmm. I think they did a real good job of it. Yeah, I'll, I'll wind up having to agree with you. I'll have to go with what's on your mind. Also, take me away. I really do enjoy that one again because of the way it builds and the chorus. Very good, strong Paul vocal. That yesterday, far away. It's like an overly dramatic love scene in a movie. Exactly, you know? and I love that. Yeah. But 
What's on your mind wins out only because of that chorus. That when it does the little walk down with the acoustic behind it, mm-hmm. that can't express the words that tell you about yeah, the feelings very I got. Good. That oh, that talk about that quintessential just good. ace. Mm-hmm. He's got a good vocal on that. That's a good little walk down riff, and I love his songs that have an acoustic backing it up. Mm-hmm. To like even like that's why I love Dress to Kill. So many of those songs have an acoustic behind it. And it, to me, it just opens up their sound a little mm-hmm. bit more. And that's why I thoroughly enjoyed on his. So after that, we've got New York Groove and It's All Right. Oh, God. Can I have to compare those two? Because <laughs> It's All Right is my favorite really? off of the Paul. Okay. Yeah. And New York Groove, you know, I didn't realize it had been written cover. before. I didn't know it was a cover. Yeah. And, you know, here it is playing on the radio. And I was just like... I was so proud, you know, because all the the little kiss friends on the playground, you know, we, we'd always talked about which member was better. Nace was always my favorite. And, you know, it was kind of like going back to school the next day going, see, see, he's got the most successful solo album. See, I told you he's better than the rest. Blah, blah, blah. You know, so it was kind of a, a gloat worthy situation for me. But I just and it had had a sound that I'd never heard before mm-hmm. up until that point, you know? And again, and so, it brings back to what you are saying you liked about Dynasty. I think it has a very New York sound to it. And the thing is, is even when I was a kid, I was obsessed with anything of New York. And yeah. so I felt like that was giving me kind of a, a taste of it, you know? And right. I'm like, oh, so like, <laughs> so like New York's like groovy and cool and kind of funky because the song is, you know, right. so, but yeah, that that's a real hard comparison, but I definitely have to go with New York Groove on that. What about you, Groove. babe? Uh, like, like when I say I, I like, uh, speeding back to my baby is my least favorite Mm -hmm. on the album. It would be tied with this one. Okay. But that does not mean (laughs) I don't like them. All right. It's just like when, when, it's, it's just like whenever we get into arguments about Sabbath, I prefer Dio Sabbath. To Ozzy Sabbath. Oh, yeah. But if you knew how much I loved Ozzy Sabbath, <laughs> you'd know that that was not a slight. Exactly. Because, you just have a favorite. Yes. Well, I have to but, question anybody that says they love rock and roll and does not appreciate Ozzy on some level. You know, yeah. you just have to wonder But, but see, about anytime you say, oh, I prefer Dio Sabbath, people go, ah, what about Ozzy? Ah! Uh-huh. You know, I love Ozzy Sabbath. I love <laughs> Ozzy Solo, some of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But nothing mean, to it, you it compared. Just, it just means it goes boink. That yeah. tiny little notch. It's just that little centimeter higher. Yeah. Or, or as uh, we were talking about comedians earlier, as um, uh, Brian Regan would go with the snow cones thing. Uh, if we get the whole snow cone and get grape, and if they don't have grape, get cherry. And that's okay because they're, they're both favorites. But if they've got both, you know, you get cherry. But if they don't, it's okay because they've got strawberry. Right. But both are favorites, though. They're both good. Exactly. <laughs> See, and two, it depends on your mood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A, a lot, lot of, of it, it does to have to have to depend. Like, I'm gonna have to go with the Paul song on this one. Okay, all right. Uh, I I actually wind up breaking away. I think uh, between it's all right and New York Groove. As much as I love it's all right, I think I'll have to wind up going with New York Groove only because I. I the monotonous on that one doesn't bug me, and it's it's one of those to me party <clears throat> songs, and I love it's all right. It's just there's a feel to it. There's it's a certain feel to it, and I think with it's all right, I wind up comparing that to wouldn't you like to know me? Do you? mentally because I feel they're very they're almost like a brother and sister song mm-hmm. uh, with the way they're written mm-hmm. and when I compare those two I go back to wouldn't you like to know me? I think there's more fun grooves and stuff in that one. Mm-hmm. So, but, but keep in mind what I'm saying. 
I, I know. <laughs> it's like if you were to ask him, and for this, those who can't see on the one podcast, of my, it's me putting my hands together and making my finger go slightly over the other one. It's just like that question of when you go, "What's your favorite food?" Mm-hmm. Oh God, seriously, it depends like, on my morning, mood. Morning, like right. you know, for Jeff, you know, like he loves a hot dog sometimes just as much as he does. A really fabulous expensive steak right it depends it on his mood do with my preference of peter <laughs> <laughs> you are so funny oh, babe i love it <laughs> all right now it's another battle of the love songs we've got i'm in need of love versus hold me touch me now if we want to talk about weenie songs yeah <laughs> hold me touch me is probably the biggest out of all of these and oh, yeah. probably the biggest weenie song paul ever wrote yeah and because of that even as a young kid i was like that's a bit extra you think, like, do you think that one's a bit you know extra? because i mean i love romance clearly i'm a girl but there's a line where you're like going who's the chick you know, right. because I mean, every woman, or at least sometimes when we talk, oh, stop, please. I don't ever want to hear you say that. The please, Jeff, stop, stop, stop. stop. <laughs> God oh. damn, what a shitty song. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but, um,. Yeah, <laughs> you totally threw her off. She's just sitting here. Going, I, I'm I'm like, I, I, I can't I, I, believe I just heard my man say those lines. <laughs> I didn't get to the damn real damage. <laughs> and you said tonight was date night. I don't know. <laughs> what, was, what was the A song again? My brain's just like. <laughs> I'm in need of love. Yeah, that that one was definitely more masculine, more like my dick needs attention versus versus the whole like I'm gonna break down and cry in your arms. Please move the hair away from my face. Yeah, I'd much rather hear about a guy needing to get laid than his like tender vulnerability. So yeah, I'm gonna feel like a weenie if I say Paul's at this point. So I guess I'm in need of love. <laughs> no, in all actuality, I do have to agree with you guys because that's actually one of my favorite ace solos on the record. Is yeah. I'm in need of love because that's another one where the solo is a different tempo uh-huh. and it's a different little chord progression in it, and it has all the trademarks of a good ace solo. It's got everything you want in an ace solo in that song, so I love that one. I don't. I'm not gonna say I'm sitting here going, "Oh, Paul's a damn weenie." I fully understand where the dude's coming from. I have felt that kind of shit before. I'm just saying. If we're really bringing it down between good songwriting, I do have to agree with you guys that <clears throat> I'm in need of love would be better. <laughs> <laughs> Relating and a good song are two totally different things. Now, we got Wiped Out versus Love and Chains. And I'll go ahead and say Love and Chains. Wiped Out. Wiped Out. See, <laughs> Love and Chains <laughs> is still good. Oh, but, absolutely. But, but for me, Wiped Out. As fun as that song is, it feels like Love and Chains is a bit of a stronger one to me. It may be stronger, but Wiped Out, when I heard Ace laugh, mm-hmm. that was, I mean, he could have farted through the rest of the thing and it still <laughs> would have been a great song because hearing Ace laugh is just one of my favorite things ever to hear in this and to, world. And, and, and as much as I do agree with that, especially because of the whole Tom Snyder interview, too. Oh, my God. He just would That's not another thing up. my dork ass will look at over and over and over again, like the <laughs> fart and waffle iron. Oh, no, my favorite Ace is... <laughs> 
My favorite aceism is when they're trying to introduce Eric Carr and they're doing the, hey, this is Gene Simmons of Kiss. I'd like to introduce you to Paul Stanley of Kiss. I'd like to introduce you to Ace Frehley of Kiss. And Ace can't hold it together. Yeah. There's one of them where they're right about to do it. And Ace, before anyone does the, this is Gene, this is Paul, Ace Bracey goes, hey, hey, look, turn around. Points at the camera. They all look. He goes, look, it's rock and roll. That's, <laughs> that's one of my favorite aceisms ever because it got everyone laughing. Yeah. Like everyone, Gene was even laughing yeah. at it. And that's what it's like. He Had was to be being, fucking funny he for was being genuinely funny. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so for you, wiped out also, mm, Jeff. Yeah. I don't know. For for me, a laugh doesn't solidify that song hard enough for me. <laughs> you clearly a simple laugh. Does not... <laughs> clearly, you're not as big of an Ace Frehley fan as I am. What is my profile okay. picture on Facebook? A cartoon drawing I did of you wearing Ace Frehley makeup. Uh, that's just a small detail. <laughs> no, no, you know my infinity for Ace, but but when it comes down to it, if you're talking about powerful songs. Mm. The same reason you like rip it out because it just comes in busting love and chains guitar riff on the highest note, just immediately on that harmony of the building up the drums. And plus, once it kicks into the verses, that that was very, I know, I love it. It's very progressive for that time. That was that was a very almost metal riff. If you played it with a different drum beat behind it and a different vocalist, it's a metal song. But it's performed in such a way with all these harmonies that it feels like a Paul Stanley lover song. You keep mm-hmm. your love in chains, but change the guitar sound a little bit and change the way you play it. It's a metal song. So for I've me, I've never heard it that way. Next time I listen to it, I'll have to think of it. That yeah, way. listen to the strumming and just imagine slightly grittier guitar on it mm-hmm. and one of those almost like '80s hair metal kind of like the Wah! kind mm-hmm. of vocals. A tolerable version of that on top with a different guitar riff. Y'all making me like this song a little better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, uh, occasionally I'll be in the mood to listen to some hair metal, and I'm like, honey, I'm going to put hair metal on in the bedroom, okay? He's like, okay. And the other night he came in, he opened the door, he goes, you realize over half those songs aren't hair metal. I'm like, I know, but they all just kind of go together. It yeah, all kind of fits I, the mood. I'm going to play hair metal. I'm thinking, if you're going to be playing... Faster Pussycat, Cinderella, <laughs> Poison, oh, and that's what was door. on there. Yeah. But there was also Black Sabbath on there and Sabbath, Iron Maiden, Priest, Maiden. I was like, <laughs> hair metal, that's good shit. Well, Rat, what would that be? Is that hair that's, metal? That's hair oh, metal. <laughs> two rat songs that are good. Thank you very much. And that is hair metal, even I, though I their can... hair was not fabulous. I know but, that, that well, was my point. I'm sitting here going, I'm like, what? What defines the hair metal? Is it, it the was... color of the hair? Is it the amount of femininity? <laughs> is it the? It was that genre. <laughs> that kind of sound the party for, music for me you know what it actually is the production yeah the drum Slip. sound yeah the whole production mm-hmm. and that that LA vocal wine <laughs> but see the thing I think the reason another part of the reason that music doesn't appeal to you I mean in in retrospect and looking at it closely I mean it does suck but you were never a partier Mm-mm. and so there's no soundtrack in your life for that music whereas 
when I was enjoying that music, of course, it was later after it was made, but it was when I used to spend the summers at Myrtle Beach. And they played that at Can-Am a lot. And mm. then when I was pregnant with him working at Rock and Roll Emporium, they played it a lot in there. So I do have memories to those songs. And I think that has a lot to do for me mm-hmm. with why I like certain things is because right. the memories that are attached, whether they're good or bad, is still a memory and a part of my life. And see, and I've often questioned that because if that were the case... I feel I would be leaning more toward the Ace songs on this because you always grew up and was just flat out telling me this is the best one, you right? Know? So it feels like not asking you which no, one do you, you like. No, you were you hey were boy, informing me. You were informing me this is the best one. Well, your taste needed to be shaped, <laughs> and as your mom, that was my responsibility. <laughs> so I've often thought about that if it's truly nostalgia or if that's just the human taste. I don't know. I've often thought of, I've often thought about that because a lot of people like just throwing. Oh, you like it because it's nostalgia. Well, what's my reasoning for like 70s and 80s rock? Because you don't have I, I a memory to I it. I wasn't there. Yeah. I have no nostalgia for this. That's very you true. Know? It's mm-hmm. like, what makes me like it? Who knows? Damn good music. And the last one, and this is almost kind of unfair because they're two very different songs, but Fractured Mirror versus Goodbye. Two very different songs. One's an instrumental and one is a typical album closer. I have to go with Fractured okay. because... Um, you know, especially when I was a young girl, I didn't understand about music layering and all that kind right. of stuff. And I had this visual of him being able to play multiple guitars. <laughs> on top. And I just I thought it was really beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, and I I loved it. I was just it impressed the hell out of me as a kid. Yeah. And I still do. I love it. I love Fracture 2, too. See, out of all of those, I, Fracture 2 bored me. I liked Fracture 3. I love them all. <laughs> I mean, I actually, on one of my Spotify playlists, have like mm-hmm. all three back to back. Well, you know he's got like four or five of them now. No, I don't know about the fourth and fifth one. <laughs> they probably suck. <laughs> I didn't know there was a second, third, and fourth. <laughs> <laughs> well, you also probably didn't like Fraley's Comet either. So. No, I didn't. I loved but, it because it was stupid. But uh, I'm going to go with Fractured Mirror because I, for the same reason I like Rip It Out. Mm-hmm. Is the reason I like Fracture Mirror. I think it was the perfect way to end that record. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. And, and for your reasoning, ending. I'll have to wind up going with Paul's. I just think that was a perfect closer, especially if the way he opened it, you know, being a little bit more delicate than hitting you hard. This one was the middle ground. It wasn't extremely delicate, but it had a nice little punch to it, especially right before the ending when it was in that I'm on the run part with that. So I must go. You know, so it's got a little bit more of it. He's kind of hits that middle ground that makes it pretty again for the outro. So I don't know. I would have to go with his. You know, all the things that you've mentioned about Paul's solo album, like I'm itching to listen to it in its entirety. Again. <laughs> I mean, because, you know, on my Spotify playlist, you know, you cherry pick through albums of and course. make your, you know, but now I'm like, I got to listen to the whole thing from start to finish, you know, and, and listen <laughs> to, me, to it with of, the perspectives that you brought up. And, because and without even going back points. to the numbers, the Ace one won by like fucking six points. <laughs> <laughs> so Ace, Ace won out, but I don't know, for me overall, even though kind of breaking it down, Ace may have had more solid guitar riffs or, you know, more re-listenable or just general rock and roll stuff. I feel as an album as a whole, Paul's is a bit more concise because if we mm-hmm. want to go back and kind of talk about the different Ace stuff, he rips it with Rip It Out and then speeding back to my baby. Snowblind is good. But then for me, Ozone is when he starts kind of dipping down. 
because ozone is just very monotonous. That's as low of his high. Exactly. And then you get it again with, to me, wiped out. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like that to me, again, just kind of has that. He's telling a story about being at a party, but the guitar riff in it is still just, it feels very. weak points, definitely. Best way to describe it, it's an Ace Fraley version of a Johnny Cash, like, telling, like, sing-along telling (laughs) song. He's playing the same little ding, 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 boom. The entire yeah. time, kind of talking his way through the lyrics, almost kind of like a Johnny Cash kind of storytelling mm-hmm. song. Uh, I got to tell you something, though, and I didn't really think about this until you made this comparison mm-hmm. with Johnny Cash and that. Right. It's like, even as a lead vocalist that I am, right. you know, I don't really listen to the lyrics. Really? On anything. I think it's that's all, so interesting. You told almost, me that the it's other it's day. Almost, it's almost like the voice is another instrument, and I like the way... Like that, like like the reason I like uh, so many old R and B singers and stuff is because they weigh the way they say a word, not so much the, the words they're they saying. saying. I, I'm right with you, and that's why I've actually always had a problem writing lyrics. That's why I have a problem writing them. Not because I don't know the melody I want. Not because I don't know I want to go la da da ba da la da ba. I know I want to do that mm-hmm. vocal beat. But it's, it's just the finding the words. Yeah, because the, again, it almost like what you were saying. It feels secondary. I'm more or less concerned about making sure whatever I say comes across the right way, rather than exactly what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I've listened back to old recordings and went, "Fuck, that wasn't the lyric." Oh well, I said it right. You know, it sounds right, but, but that wasn't the right word. Too. I've done it too. I've uh-huh. done that. I've done that on other people's recordings. Yeah. Of songs. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but it's like you listen back to it and you're like but it's projected right and I hit the right note and it sounds right I didn't get brought up in court a <laughs> well well hey, hey at this point I want to hear from Jeff why you love Peter Chris's album why when you well weren't you saying that you listened to it again he was saying no. that Russ I, I was said, recommending I said I heard it. that I heard that one song Again, for the first time after decades of not listening to it at all. Right. And I was like, that is really good. Mm -hmm. And now I think that if I would listen to that first solo album, again, I think I would have a much greater appreciation for it today than I did in 78. What did you think of Jeans? I loved it. Did you? It took me me a minute, but but I really loved it. Because I could see you loving that one. Because uh, all the different... Wait, like I, I honestly thought, the Wish Upon a Star was a little hokey. It meant a lot to him, though. But yeah, yeah and you know, but um, uh, what's that one, uh, Mister Make Believe? No, well, I, see, I I love I love those ballads you know, mm-hmm. on there. See, Make I loved Radioactive. I thought Radioactive, oh, Radioactive was fabulous. Radioactive was his rip it out, right? Yeah. You know, you could have done without all the. I love that part because <laughs> it was like, know. "Ooh, that's scary." But um, uh, I didn't like living in sin in the Holiday Inn. <laughs> I thought it was a clever title, <laughs> but the song was, sucked. I that was stupid. Yeah, but but I liked I like that one he does where he's trying to sound like the Beatles. Oh, see you tonight. See you tonight. I love that mm-hmm. song. Love that the song. MTV Unplugged version is amazing. Yeah, oh my god. Yeah. And uh, I see. What's the other one? The the other battle. I mean, I'm having a hard time remembering the titles now. Here, I'll pull can, them up. I'll, yeah, the I'll, quick. yeah, I'll get pulled up here real quick. Get, <sighs> gotta do a surge. No, I'm talking on that at some point because uh, I'm 
uh, Gene, don't sue me. I have the vault. And uh, <laughs> basically, there's alternate versions of every song from his solo record. Mm-hmm. And there's a version of Mr. Make Believe that's just called um, uh, Tonight's the Night or something like mm-hmm. that. Oh, so fucking good. I'll show it to you. We yeah, got Radioactive, like- Burning Up a Fever, See You Tonight, Tunnel of Love, True Confessions, uh, Living in Sin, Always Near You. Always that's Near You. To, for me... That oh and and I know people will say oh man Clayton lost his mind on this one but <laughs> but when that song is coming to the end it makes me think of Neil Diamond for some reason like a Neil Diamond song I can see that I can yeah mm-hmm. and and which I, is I not like a bad stuff, thing yeah you know? we like I, Neil Diamond <clears throat> I don't know I can see that. Well, I guess within the Clayton uh, family house, Ace still reigns supreme. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Not necessarily as a human being, but musically, absolutely. Well, again, and as that's, a comedian. That's what, that's what comes down to separating the art from the artist. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and man, the way time flies, we've been doing this for over two hours now. You're kidding. No. And that's well, why Tom we... And, and, Porter. Nah. It, well, on Patreon, it's going to be split up into two because of their file size, but now we're going to slap this out as one big-ass episode. We've I, this, It's the episodes I've been enjoying doing lately. Because I been have enjoying, so many more things to say. And that's why I want to have you back. <laughs> because there to. is so much content and so much good stories and like, so about much laughs to be when had. when I met Ace. Exactly. When I met Paul. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> There's see, a lot I, more I, good I ones. Not, when you were talking about Mike, the Paul story popped in my head but I was like, I don't know if she wants to share that one. It's been long enough in the past where it's acceptable. <laughs> but but it's we'll okay. throw that out as a teaser <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that you have a fun little Paul story that, uh, what was I, 14, 15? 14. 14, 15 year old me was extremely mad at you uh, because of the outcome and it's not what people would actually think it is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> On one of our long drives home uh-huh. from wherever we, we are, me and Russ, Russ is usually my co-pilot, but he's he's opted to let Nestie Goss be my co-pilot lately. But we we'd have these long talks, mm-hmm. and we start you know of course oh yeah, we start talking about Kiss somehow, and we talked about I brought up the whole fact of when she met Paul mm-hmm. and what went on with that, and he yeah. goes. Man, I ain't never brought that up because I didn't think you wanted to talk about it. <laughs> that was like, I said, what, why would I want to talk about that? <laughs> that was like way before you and I got together. We were just so friends. <laughs> and then again, it's the same thing you kind of put in your pocket like you do in the Mike Ness thing. <laughs> I mean, that's something to be I'm married about. to a girl that a Robert Plant kind of had designs on there you, you know? go yeah there you go so i mean yeah, i got a robert plant story you're too. like no Anna tell Steven me the fucking tyler. stories she's with me damn it <laughs> and a steven tyler story which was really sweet see and that and the uh rob zombie story yeah. of him uh rubbing uh my in, uh incubating body in your yeah. stomach <laughs> yeah. oh yeah well you know what i got stories too yeah you got, don't I, matter I tell some stories you too. know what you talk enough uh, god damn it <laughs> I I had breakfast with Mark Farner. <laughs> you know, you really do need to have him back and have me at the same time, but not me telling any stories, but me prompting him to have him tell the stories he's told me that I don't even think he's told you. Well, see, I had all this planned from the beginning with because I really wanted to talk to you. Uh-huh. Jeff was going to be the buffer because I knew he was going to laugh and you like making him laugh. I do. And you do. like telling stories to get him going. Yeah. So all of this was by design. I really want, no offense, Clayton, I really wanted you here. <laughs> I wanted it to be a mom episode, but yeah. I knew having you.
you come along that she was going to open up and not be nervous about this sitting here and that we'd all be able to share some really fun stories because I guess you released this live in Japan record or whatever. There's but, a know, period there's, of his... There's, there's some of that stuff going on that, you know, whatever. There, there's a period <laughs> in his life when he was just starting with the band that he lived a very interesting, hilarious life that... I think at the time when he was living it, it seemed pretty normal because it's kind of what he had to do at the time. But looking back on it, he's like, God damn, <laughs> I experienced those things. Holy shit. And they're things that he's never really talked about in interviews in the past. Right. And so I think by him sharing these stories, anybody will love these stories. And they that, will be blown I, away. And that's what I enjoy about our dynamic is because mm -hmm. even though we have very pointed stories about, oh, this guy did this thing, and it's funnier if you know the guy that did the thing, it's still funny to a general audience, and that's exactly. why I love having you guys on. Exactly. Well, we've and had a great time. And I'm not going to bother doing any sort of what we've been listening to or any of that stuff because this has been solid. This has been a fun episode. Yes, it has. We're not even going to worry about any outros. we got some music to play at the very end of this because, as I said, Jeff, you do have a new CD out live in Japan mm -hmm. from that fun-ass tour you did. Well, over I, I think the way we like to say it is... In Japan, <laughs> <laughs> and you had some shitty little commercial made for it. It looks like some B grade fucking horror. Which, film by the way, man, I'm, I'm gonna tell little... you this. I'm gonna tell you this, okay? And I ain't trying to get all wishy washy here at the end of the thing, but man, you don't know how happy you made this old man <laughs> by doing that. Well, I'm glad you liked it, man. It was a lot of fun to work. And then on. I got to see Godzilla. I know. I didn't want to talk about them now on the show because I do want to see it and I don't want any spoilers yet. So. Well, I got spoilers. Just oh, I know you do. And that's why I didn't even want to touch it. That's why I didn't even want to poke it. Because I know if I poke it, it's going to ooze. <laughs> it's just going to come billowing out. Last night I asked a simple question about Godzilla. And, <laughs> and about like five minutes into it, I'm like, honey. I just asked one question. <laughs> He's like, well, I'm getting to it. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. But you got to understand this. <laughs> you don't get it. I have to give you a little background information to be able to fully answer your question. I'm like, it could have been basic. I'm sorry. I well, asked the you question. Know, Alex, thanks for having us. Of and, course. Uh, this is your radio show, but yeah. I would like to end my part by saying part. Uh, rest in peace to Rocky Erickson. Thank you. <laughs>
Production from the Cult of Dave Podcast Network. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. <laughs>